I feel like Shazam is not talked about enough because honestly, it was one of the single best movies DC has put out. Yeah. I think of all time. Seeing it with my dad was one of the best experiences because my dad grew up reading, you know, he was originally called Captain Marvel. My dad grew up reading Captain Marvel comics because, you know, he was a boy and my dad, like he saw himself in him because he was a kid who was a superhero. And getting to see my dad's favorite character come to life and my dad loved that movie. It was such a fantastic experience. And we are live with another episode of the Keeg Talks. Today, the Keeg Talks DC Studios, because the hierarchy of the DC Universe has changed, and not in the way that The Rock had hoped. Um, or maybe in the way that The Rock had hoped. I don't know. I, I, I think he kind of did hope this. I feel like his sensibility lines up more with the new hierarchy than the previous yeah. one. We'll we'll see. Agree with that. We'll 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 see. Uh I'm your host, Dimitri Pereira. And if you're listening to our voices and can see our faces, you know who's been talking, you know where you can find them on social media, and that's because you're watching us uh live streaming uh this on twitch.tv slash the keeg show and youtube.com slash the keeg show. Uh, but if you can't then you're listening to our voices and you can't see our faces or the cool backgrounds that I made and that's okay. You know, digest us however you want, but that's because you're listening to our podcast, wherever you get your podcast from. Um, I'm your host, Dimitri Pereira, and I brought on two awesome guests to talk about uh, DC Studios with me. First, uh, you may know him as Trevor Copter. Everybody on the streets does, you know. Uh, <laughs> on the streets are uh, like on the teaming streets. with people yeah. who know me by that name. They're like, hey, hey, you, you heard about that Trevor Copter guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we <laughs> got Trevor Reese, everybody. Hey, hey. I'm excited to talk DC films. Yeah, and you um you came you came dressed as Chucky. Oh yeah, it's Halloween, so I wore my Chucky costume that I wore last night because I still have a little bit of makeup that wouldn't come off when yeah. I tried to wipe off my face this morning. I uh I went dressed as Rigby from Regular Show. Oh nice. I've been I've been mulling was... that idea for years. And now right. I finally did it. Not to 100% that I wanted. I wanted a raccoon snout. I wanted to make like have one, but I was looking at all different types of like animal snout mask things. And I was like, they don't look right until I found one that I was like, it is perfect. I'll recolor it. But it had built in mouse teeth. And I'm like, Rigby doesn't have teeth like that. So I was very let down. I mean, perfection is terrible. Yeah. Like to it. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking about uh I was gonna say speaking about perfection because she does cosplay, uh, but perfection <laughs> in general. Uh we got Kaylin Dorothy, aka comics by Kaylin. Kaylin, it's your first time. What's up? How's it, it going? It is. This is this is my first podcast ever. So ever. I apologize. Ever. Yeah, I've never been on a podcast before. So this is very new. How, and very how have you discussed like comic books and pop culture in the past? Um I just approach unsuspecting victims. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think I think it's um, a detriment. I think it's it, it it speaks. There's a lot of great podcasts out there, but the fact that they haven't gotten you on one, oh, like, and that this is the first, you yeah. know, um, I mean, I that's that. that's not a plus in their corner. <laughs> 
Yeah, I just, um, you know, on my my TikTok page, I really just enjoy talking about the the characters and movies that I love and sometimes dressing up as them. Yeah. Uh, and I'm clearly you... repping the Bat Fam today. Yeah, that, with, with your background a, too. That's a Tim Burton, right? That's not, that's not. Uh... Yeah, I think this yeah. is a, from uh, the animated series. And then the shirt is Babs Tar. Okay. Okay. Wait, Babstar does uh, does shirts too? Yeah. Oh my God. She has stickers, pins, prints, bags, earrings, and shirts. Um, I actually bought this earlier this month at Comic-Con from her. Is yeah. that what she did before? Is that what brought her to prominence and then DC snatched her up? Yeah. I think she was just kind of working as an illustrator and um, she was approached by DC to uh, work on Batgirl. And she had actually never worked in comics before. So the original layouts in the first couple issues were done by Cameron Stewart, who was one mm -hmm. of the artists, uh, one of the writers on that comic. Yeah. So he'd do the layouts. She'd go in with her final art. And as she got you know more and more used to it, then she just kind of started from scratch herself. Um, nice. And that's actually where I fell in love with comics was, was her work on Batgirl. Oh yeah. That's a good, that's a good series. That was like, the perfect thing because it was acknowledging the fact that like the new 52 had like revitalized her and taken her out of the wheelchair, mm -hmm. taken her out of Oracle. But then it's just like, well, okay, we did that. We, we did what fans have been asking for, but like, but for what, like what mm -hmm. has making Barbara Gordon Batgirl meant? Like, what are we going to say yeah. about it? Why is she in the costume again? Like, what's the importance of it? And like, I think Babstar did a really good job. There's the point, like, the WB Discovery mergers biggest hit was oh we lost him again. It's all right. Can oh, you hear no. me? Oh, we can hear yeah, you. Yeah, we can still hear you. <laughs> but we can't see you. There we go. There he is. Cool. But Keep like, talking. don't worry. The about Babs, me. the Babs tar, like in in the sense of like Ed Brubaker, like led to Winter Soldier. Um, the um, Matt Fraction basically being the foundation of Hawkeye, like the Babstar Batgirl was going to be the cinematic Batgirl for the mm -hmm. DCEU. And that's really speaks to how impactful that was. Yeah. I, uh, I'm sure we'll get to that topic later, but I cried that day. Oh. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, I think her work is, her work is so unique and interesting. And um, I know I had, I had loved superheroes since I was seven and I had read some graphic novels, but I hadn't really delved into the world of comics until I picked up Batgirl of Burnside. And I immediately went back and read the entirety of the new 52 run, you know, written by Gail Simone. And I just, I, I think Barbara Gordon is just one of the best characters I think I've ever read. <laughs> um, I personally find her very relatable and, uh, I just, I, she's such a great character. <laughs> Have you gone pre 52? I've read some, not a ton. Um, my uh, I'm, I'm, my comics knowledge is not nearly as extensive as some people. Um, I've read mostly more modern stuff. I picked up comics for the first time right around the time that uh, DC Rebirth had launched. Mm. So I kind that, of started that's a, that's most That's a good of my... time. It was like, kind of perfect. It was I, getting better I walked and better. In, I, I literally walked into a comic book store and I was like, hey, these are the characters that I'm interested in. And I've never really read comics before. And he's like, okay, perfect timing. Here's issue mm -hmm. one of everything. <laughs> That's great. They well, were that... open to that. Uh, Cause I feel like yeah. a lot in the comic book community are like, we've been around for years about to us. You're new. We're going to treat you like shit. And that's comics, uh, DC comics, indie comics, Marvel comics, like whatever. Um, mm -hmm. Well, even on a problem. good day, even on a good day, it is just like, 
there are it's hundreds of issues behind it. Like I had a friend who was getting into it around Siege, like Siege Marvel? and uh, Original Sin in, in terms of Marvel stuff. Uh, and it's just like, oh boy, like, like it is a literal through line of events and storylines that have mm. like dominated this whole comic like publishing company. And it's just like, yeah, there are just moments. There's just like, yeah, you kind of just it's intimidating. Need... Yeah, yeah. I remember um, uh, Kathy. She ran the comic book store that I went to when I was in college, and I was like lamenting when the new Fifty Two was starting. I'm just like, oh, you know what this means is, although I was eventually proven wrong, like, oh, like Action Comics isn't gonna hit a thousand. And she's like, and she just plainly said, like, well, then where are the people who are reading issue nine hundred and forty-seven or whatever, like? Where are those people now? Like they're gonna be pulled back uh, in with a new number one, like a new starting mm-hmm. point. Like you can come yeah. back now. And so there it sort of speaks to that like events you kind of just need it. Like Marvel's sort of adopted like a seasonal thing. Yeah, that's what I've like, heard. Yeah, of like, renumbering. Yeah, like stuff gets renumbered and the, and then they go back to legacy numbering and then they go back to new number one and then yeah just sort of alternate but it is like you know eventually like it's just a matter of runs it's a matter of comic book runs here's the thing um as we as we draw on our like on our call uh comic knowledge um like dc studios i have to have to shift it back to a little bit to dc studios but like there's a lot there's a lot of like comic book content right uh out there right now and the way I see it is like Marvel has like been dominating the movie sphere for, for a while now um, to the point where like, as someone who grew up with DC comics um, and again, anyone who didn't grow up with DC comics, but is into DC comics, that's fine. Uh, big point of this show and like the Keegan general is that it's like, fine. You're, you're okay. <laughs> what's up? What? No, no, no you're it, just the way you're just like, it's fine. If you had done this is like, you're, you're okay. If you, if you started like, yesterday, if you, or if you like started DC five films, years ago, yeah. If you started, yeah. uh, you know, fifteen years ago, whatever, um, you like you're if you're a fan, you're a fan. But I feel like DC Comics and DC related content lost a lot, like lost a whole generation. That's my opinion. And yeah. now with this like DC Studios thing, there's a hope that like they might be able to recapture that energy because there's a lot of amazing characters, Batgirl being one of them, who was sidelined and axed, and we'll go over that in a little bit, but like it it, it just, it it sucks that it's taken them so long to kind of figure things out, and hopefully this is them figuring it out, because James Gunn and Peter Safran are hopefully the Kevin Feige's of DC Studios, and they won't have Warner Brothers meddling, but then again, was DC Films supposed to be that as well? Because that's what it was called before. Yeah, they, they've been yeah. they've been rebranding and re-cementing things. Because like, let's not forget before the DCEU, before Man of Steel. Like, I remember distinctly being at Comic Con when Green Lantern was announced, and the plans oh, really? they had for it to build to Blackest Night as like the trilogy capper. It's just like you're gonna make three films. And expect right. me to have any sort of like emotional connection to Blackest Night with three films worth of characters and backstory and lore. Like you're just gonna jump to that and like 
We've seen it with like Man of Steel jumping to Dark Knight Returns and then Death of Superman, like all the stuff they, they have burned through really, really quickly before. Like, but also like what's so frustrating about DC films is the fact that the Arrowverse very, very competently built towards Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yeah. Yep. And like, it's only limited by its budget. Like the scope of it and the storytelling of it was on par with, with the, with what Marvel was doing with like, Oh, Hey, we brought back Patrick Stewart. We brought back Toby McGuire and Andrew Garfield. Like Marvel brought our DC brought back Burt Ward. Uh, they brought back um, Kevin Conroy. Tom Kevin Conroy. Kevin, Kevin Conroy was Conroy. In, have featured in an episode. Yeah. Brandon Routh got, got to, to ask, play Superman. I got to ask Kevin Conroy about that experience when I was at Terrificon this summer. What did he oh, say? Yeah. What did you ask? So um, I was at Terrificon. I, of course, went as Batgirl. Um, and I cried a lot throughout that day because I was so excited to be beating my Batman. Um, but during the panel, the whole panel was just a Q&A for him and other voice actors from the DCAU. And I asked, you know, after 30 years of voicing this character, what was it like to step into the role in live action? Um, I think I have a video of his full answer on my TikTok. But um, if I recall somewhat correctly, um, you know, obviously that version of Bruce was very, very different than any Bruce we've ever seen before. Yeah. This Bruce was broken. He had lost all hope for humanity. He didn't care about anyone anymore. Um, but he said it was still very, very cool to play even some version of him in live action. Yeah. And and the fact that like even though it was such a different take that they gave him iconic stuff to work with with the fact yeah. that like he's in the kingdom come suit. Like he's mm-hmm. he's in that like exoskeleton thing to help him walk and like that the fact that they gave him stuff to work within to like still be iconic even though yeah it is such a departure of any Bruce that he's even played or like we've even seen. Like they yeah. still gave him like, but it is still Batman, even though he's broken. Yeah. Like, Did he yeah. kill Superman in his universe? Yeah. That was, he, yeah. That was the thing, right? And he um, was going to kill Supergirl. And then, yeah. um, back woman showed up and she's like, and I'm going to stop you. And then it was revealed that she was actually the, uh, paragon. Of, mm-hmm. I think justice. Hmm. But like, oh, yeah, yeah, like, like they like, and and they even had like fun casting with like the fact that like John Cryer is Lex Luthor when he was Lenny Luthor oh, in Superman Four. Like, yeah, the fact that he was awesome in it. Like, the fact that the DC films have ne- and like this has been like their mo from the jump. Like, so much of like the. TV shows have been like limited by what's available to them because of the ambition of DC films when DC TV, both animated and live action have very much provided very good roadmaps on how to create shared universes that are beloved. Like, like here's my, here's my question. Yeah. Sorry. All right. Why does DCAU is more beloved than the MCU? I would say, right. And he's like pound for pound. Here, here's Bruce my Tim's question. more beloved than Kevin Feige. Here's my question: Is first thing we have three animated separate universes. We have the Timverse, mm-hmm. we have uh, the DC animated movie universe, which is good too. Yeah, and then we have Young Justice, which now <sighs> so good. 
So, yeah, historically, DC has been very, very shrewd and and selfish with their embargoes. Um, If anyone remembers back in Justice League Unlimited, they couldn't use um, couldn't use Black Manta. So they made Mm -hmm. Devil Ray. They couldn't use bat related villains because Batman mm-hmm. Begins was coming out. They couldn't use Scarecrow, Rachel Ghoul, like any one of those, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so it really hindered them with their embargoes because their embargoes were in service of movies. And I have an answer to this question that I want to pose uh, to you guys. Uh, we'll do Kalen first and Trevor. Why do you think DC can create competent cartoons and TV, but fails on many occasions, let's just say it's a 50-50 shot uh, to ma- make competent movies. Generous. Let's even say past <laughs> the point of Batman, because Batman <laughs> is always kind of universally liked. The movies. Like 89? Yeah. Like, are, do we have a specific Batman bar we're establishing? Like, what? For what? Just for whatever your, your hypothetical or whatever it is. Like. The, the, que- the question is, like, why does DC make competent TV? Is better at making competent TV and, and animation versus mm-hmm. movies because people are constantly talking about like you just said if they can do it in the tv why can't they do it in the movies people are constantly saying if they did the dc animated movie universe why can't they do that in the movies why can't they seem to get the movies right and i don't want to bash on everything dc that's why i was given a percentage but what yeah. do you think is the difference um Kaylin? i i wish i knew what the difference is because it it baffles me. Do you have, when you said you have an answer, is that your like personal answer? Or, like you have an actual definitive answer? I don't think there's a definitive answer. I do oh, have okay. one that I think is correct, but it's only my opinion. Okay. Yeah. I, I feel like maybe it has to do with the people they're putting behind these projects. You know, I feel like when I watch any of the animated projects, you can tell that the people involved who are writing the stories and, you know, creating everything have actually spent time learning about these characters, reading about these characters, possibly have read some comics themselves that they're pulling directly from. You can tell they actually care. And I feel like when I'm watching the movies sometimes, it's like maybe you read about Batman in an article or you read somewhere about Superman, but have you actually read a Superman comic or watched anything else that Superman's been in? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, Zack Snyder has some quotes that make him really misunderstand superheroes to the point where yeah. why does he get the superhero reigns? He's made some really weird quotes. Um, I feel like I've seen stuff done by Zack Snyder that I really enjoyed and worked so well. And then I've watched other projects and I'm like, but why did did you do any research on this character before you proceeded with this? And uh I don't know. It's he's very hit or miss. Yeah. yeah. Um, wait, what's your what's your favorite Zack Snyder movie? Um, I actually really enjoyed Watchmen. I remember I back in the early days of the pandemic, I sat down and read Watchmen all the way through and I loved it. That's probably one of my favorite stories. And I thought the movie actually did a fairly accurate job of adapting it. Obviously, certain storylines had to be cut because it was such a heavy book. and There was so much in there. Um, They changed the ending. And I understand why they changed the ending. I can't decide if I like it more or less than the original comic. 
but I think it worked more in like a realistic sense why they changed it. Yeah. Um, but I felt like that was a fairly accurate adaptation and I feel like they really captured the tone of the original comic. Mm. So I thought that worked really well. I also surprisingly did enjoy the Snyder cut of Justice League. I didn't think I would like it nearly as much as I did. Yeah. Um, okay. I, I watch, uh, oh, we can go down a hole on Watchmen. I like Watchmen as a movie, but like it just hits different from a comic, like than the comic, because yeah. the comic was an exploration of the medium and the medium's history. Mm-hmm. And yeah. in my opinion, like if you're doing a Watchmen movie, then it should be an exploration on the superhero movie industry and exploration oh, on that part. medium. Um, Watchmen, the TV show that came out on HBO Max, was a lot better. I don't know if you saw it, yeah. but that oh, wasn't I did. Snyder, it was so good. But like, no, I thought it worked really well. Um, yeah. And that worked as a sequel to the comic, not the movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to just because I know Dr. Derpy, I told Dr. Derpy on Twitch that we wouldn't be able to get to all his comments, but um, well, what does he have to say? Uh, <laughs> but basically, uh, it's not necessarily okay, uh, it's not necessarily fitting with what we're saying, but basically, it's the common, it's the common uh, concern that like if DC needs to do DC movies, then they have to follow the Marvel route, which we won't get into right now, but we'll we'll get to like. Do you have to follow the Marvel route? I think that's a general yeah. question. I do want to quote a, a Snyder quote that he made back in 2008 when he was. Is this uh, a is this a quote of why he should not have been given the keys to Superman quote or uh, this is Batman related. <laughs> OK. Oh, OK. Uh, so so this is from 2008 uh, where he was speaking to about Watchmen during the interview uh, with Entertainment Weekly, you revealed how he had different ideas than Chris Nolan, who directed Batman Begins. He said, everyone says that about Batman Begins, Batman's dark. I'm like, okay, no, Batman's cool. He gets to go to a Tibetan monastery uh, and be trained by ninjas. Okay, I want to do that, but but he doesn't, like, get raped in prison. That could happen in my mind. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you want to talk about dark, that's how that would go. Uh- and that just shows his what his vision of dark is like it yeah. is bargain basement like i was you know what uh, i got into recently was the hbo spawn show and that is edge lord like bullshit stuff like that i'm just like oh you want you want dark this is dark. Mm-hmm. Like dark is the stuff we don't. Dark is taboo. Dark is the stuff we don't talk about. It's like no. Christopher Nolan showed us what dark was, and that is what humanity is capable of given the right ingredients. Which is mm-hmm. Batman Begins. It's humanity is capable of becoming Batman, and then the Dark Knight is humanity is also capable of becoming the Joker. Like mm-hmm. that's what true darkness is, and. Snyder's version of dark is like, oh, you you want dark? I'm gonna have this. Uh, I'm gonna make Dawn of the Dead, and this baby's gonna crawl out of this womb. That's dark. Yeah, um, it's the Timverse was dark. Batman the Animated Series was dark, and is a great example of how you can do something dark and still, in a weird way, be for the most part family friendly. It's yeah. dark because it's it. It's dark because it's not nihilistic. But like it just shows 
despair and sadness. In like Tim, it in, doesn't, in Bruce it Tim does stuff? not. Yeah, Bruce Tim does not shy away from like the immense. Like Batman is sad. Like yeah. he's not angry. He's sad. Yeah, and that's what Bruce. That's the darkness Bruce Tim brought in. Yeah, of just like guys, we're gonna have a big cry over this. I'm like, I'm reading an article basically stating that Snyder seems to think that the like basically his idea was superheroes would be morally bankrupt dicks in real life. Uh, I believe that's a quote. Which um, is the boys. We got yeah, it. The, the, the boys are doing the, that better, right? Yeah, the Watchmen that he was working on, and. I, it seems to me that like Snyder is wants this to apply to all superheroes. Um, and here's a quote that he finishes it's the the article says he finishes off the full quote by saying, if you think superheroes wouldn't be doing all manner of unethical shit, quote unquote, you're living in a fucking dream world. This is a Snyder. But that's the point. Quote. It's a dream world. Yeah. It is a dream it world. It is a fantasy. <laughs> that's, that's the point. <laughs> Yeah, you know, if I want the commentary, yeah, I'll go watch The Boys. The Boys is, I think, one of the best written shows I've ever watched. I'm rewatching it currently with my roommate, yeah. and you know, I love the commentary that that show brings. But when I want to watch Batman, I want to watch Batman. <laughs> I want the fantasy. Also, I the want Boys that show. <laughs> the Boys show is good because it's smart. The mm -hmm. comic, I constantly say, it's the one comic I will not, I will actively advise people not to read. It, the, comic, the comic like the comic is Zack Snyder dark like it is it, no it's more it's, it's more it's, 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 it's Dahmer dark dude it's Ugh. it's it's like night like that's what I think what people don't realize especially when they look at like Alan Moore and Frank Miller who are patient zero for grim and gritty yeah. comics mm -hmm. is that neither of those men in their prime with their writing are nihilistic they are dark and they are asking the darkest questions about these environments but they're not nihilistic about it mm -hmm. and i think what garth ennis did with the boys and what Zack snyder has done with a lot of his stuff is being nihilistic about it of like without being there, smart yeah it's like no there is no way humanity has any capability of wielding these powers with any sort of responsibility unless right. they go to such extremes as killing zod i have to kill zod to realize i shouldn't kill like that was snyder's uh, argument for the man of steel controversy you but gotta touch the stove before you realize yeah. that you shouldn't because you it's like that's not... i've never touched a stove in my, like a fire like that in my life i never yeah. put my finger in a socket i know like <laughs> Like, you don't have to. I mean, some people have to. I get it. But, like, like, you don't have to. Yeah. Like, go to, if you want real, like, bleak, but, like, not horrendous stuff, is like, look at Alan Moore's Miracle Man. Right. Like, with what he did with, like, that was power corrupting someone to their very soul. And yet it's still thrilling and still ultimately optimistic. The hero still does win out. But it is a hard victory, and scars are left. Like mm -hmm. I, th I think dark and edgy only matters if you have a point behind it. V for Vendetta, as a comic, right? Well, There's a point, and it's a reflection of the times. And you're using it. You're using your comics to kind of show Watchmen as well, right? Um, as a comic. Um, but when you do things like Zack Snyder, like 
what's the point other than just to say i want batman to be assaulted in prison what is the point of that <laughs> it's just what you that's think it is real. that's the point the point is that uh, is right darkness getting for the sake in... of darkness it's just yeah uh, right it's exploitive i don't it makes me right. feel super icky so yeah we batman's we've... adam west too like that's what pisses me off about it and like right. about like the nihilistic stuff about it is just like he's adam west is as valid if not more valid a batman than affleck than batfleck it, it's it's taken me a long time to respect uh uh adam west's batman but he's not my batman it's an it's an interpretation of batman right and that's he's okay kind, he's yeah. kind of my batman i mean like i've i've seen that show yeah it's not my favorite take on Batman. You know, I grew up with Batman the Animated Series and I kind of yeah. relate every version back to that. So I don't love that portrayal, but I also have such deep respect for what his portrayal went on to do for the character. You know, I mean, I feel like we wouldn't have Batman the way he is today if it weren't for Batman the, uh, Batman 66. Yeah. But like, I think it says a we lot We also about- got Barbara Gordon because of that show. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Barbara Gordon, it, like in Black Catwoman. Yeah. Mm, yep. But like that, uh, like it says so much about the character that Adam West Batman isn't breaking Batman nearly as much as Zack Snyder's violent Batman. Mm-hmm. Like it says something about who the character is, the oh. resiliency that Adam West fits more into the archetype than Affleck. But like Affleck did it at times, but like the way Snyder wanted to do him, especially BVS, like I, that that Batman like is just like broke and like dark and like yeah yeah. Um, with modern superhero movies, right? I mean, it used to be that like WB really oh, well I I, I should probably say my theory on what it is, but WB <laughs> seems to bank hard on Batman and Batman related properties, yet keep things on the back burner for other heroes which is it's weird uh my theory for why animated and uh tv show content seems to do better is because it has less meddling from the higher ups and the reason it has less meddling from the higher ups the people who don't know the comics don't know the sources aren't passionate about it they just want a quick buck and they want to be the name attached to the big movie it's it's uh it's because they don't they don't view TV and animation to be important. They don't view it to be the the creme de la creme. They want a movie yeah. that's more glamorous, right? So you get Warner Brothers executives. They're constantly putting their hands in the pot, moving things around, getting things dirty, taking out things that need are needed, and putting in things that aren't needed. Greenlining projects that we don't need, and not pushing forward projects that we do need. Um, People are always like, why don't we just give Bruce Tim a live action movie? They will not do it because they do not respect animation. And why don't they make the arrow Grant Gustin be uh, whatever, regardless of anyone's opinion on that. They're not going to put a TV actor to the movies. Yeah. There's just this weird thing in with the execs. Now, what Kevin Feige does with Marvel is like. He's able to do that without any meddling. And that's the hope that hopefully James Gunn and Peter Safran have um, yeah. with DC Studios. And we can hope because DC Films was supposed to be that under Hamada. But we still got meddling. 
Yeah. And Peter Safran, I don't know if you got like I posted a TikTok about it. Peter Safran started off doing parody movies with Scary Movie. He was the producer of Scary Movie, but then he went on to do like the dumb parody movies, which is fine. I can't fault him for that. They were like easy bucks. Then he went on to do horror movies like The Conjuring and and whatnot. He was producing a lot of those, a lot. And then he started producing DC movies, some of the better ones, Shazam, Aquaman. Um, uh, he's doing the upcoming well, Blue Beetle. And, uh, and I'm him, so excited for that. Yeah, him and Gunn have a previous relationship. The Suicide. Yeah, Club. I was gonna but say like, they worked on Suicide Squad. And yeah. and, and Peacemaker, like and, oh and yeah. So that like that whole thing. So like they have an established relationship. Yeah. Um, but it's also like I mean. I think what really separates the good stuff from the bad is the understanding of comics are serialized. Right. Like Superman, Batman, Spider-Man, they can exist on their own. They, they, they were built to exist on their own. They have foundations. They have full casts. They have full rogues gallery. They have powers and storylines that they do not need other people to interfere with them. Everyone else is built on the shared universe and the shared coming together of ideas that they do need that. They do need the serialized adventures. They aren't as full archetypes as Batman or Superman or Spider-Man. And like the understanding of serialization, I think that's what Kevin Feige also understood. Yes, make a good standalone issue, but understand that this issue is one in a series that you are telling a longer story, but like he found the balance of servicing the individual project while making sure it was established that it's in a larger world. Right. And understand that that's is comic books. Comic books are a monthly soap opera story. And the people who have really understood that are the people who have succeeded with that. Well, that's why, uh, and Kaylin, I want to know your thoughts about this. That's why, like, it's weird when DC tries to do the most iconic stories without working their way up to it. Yeah. We got Death of Superman. We got Dark Knight Returns. We're trying yeah. to get Flashpoint in the first Flash movie. Yeah, I don't understand that. I don't, like, I... longevity is key here. Kevin Feige does it in Marvel, where he'll take, like, even a name, Age of Ultron. It was not the Age of Ultron comic. Or he'll take Civil War and he'll change things. And it won't be Civil War exactly, but it will be. And we can move the Marvel Studios along and like the mm-hmm. MCU and kind of have that longevity. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And I I feel like Marvel, they know how to make it work. You know, they, like you said, they take these, the basic idea from a big story and then they, you know, they create their own in a way that fits into their universe. And I feel like DC definitely with some of their movies, they're trying to too closely adapt those existing stories. And mm. also, you know, they, why are we jumping into Flashpoint with the fl- first Flash movie? Yeah. Don't get me wrong. It's one of my favorite comics. Yeah. But it doesn't give the casual viewer, you know, there's people like me who are obsessed. I know this stuff. Right. But it doesn't give that casual viewer who hasn't read comics a chance to get to know this character but before being thrown into one of the most intense stories they've ever gone through well that's like it's like a tv pilot a tv pilot of a show is supposed to introduce everybody to like the the basic premise of the show 
the kind of mm-hmm. style you don't th- throw your characters through like trials and tribulations in the first episode because you have to show them on their like normal or semi-normal day unless it's yeah. a catalyst for what the the rest of the series holds but you introduce their cast of characters what not but we don't we haven't gotten that with the flash and we I don't know what we're getting in Flashpoint. Dr. Derpy is writing out their whole treatments for how they would run DC Studios. Uh, We won't be able to get to the nitty gritty because it's here. But the basic thing is that Flashpoint will rewrite the universe, keeping some actors and not keeping and then getting rid of some actors and some storylines. Is it too much? Are we getting a different Flash actor? (laughs) We're, We're gonna have to get a different Flash actor. Yeah, I, like, I would yeah. possibly keep Ezra Miller on after everything they've done. <laughs> I mean, it's this, it's DC is blinded by the fact that the new 52 was started on Flashpoint and their animated, un, their DC animated universe, yeah. movie universe was started with Flashpoint and ended with a Flashpoint too. It's like it's bookended by Flashpoints and like, but like the show didn't hit Flashpoint until season three and also fucked it up. But this, like, DC's problem has just been their impatience. If they had played it right, if they had played the same Marvel game, they would have been primed for, like, their Age of Ultron the same summer that uh, Endgame would have happened. Yeah. They would, like, and, and, and we... Why did we get Justice League as the third movie? <laughs> yeah. And, like, the, the and we've seen how much Marvel has lost its footing with fans and, and arguably with their storytelling post Endgame. that like if DC had been patient and smart and played the Marvel game at the time they were starting, not trying to catch up to where Marvel was at the moment they started, they would have been primed for something really great post Endgame mm-hmm. to take the torch I'm just like, oh, we, these motherfuckers are fumbling in this whole multiverse saga. I don't know about it. They could have really been sitting pretty and built up to, oh, my God, Superman might go bad in this next Justice League. He might fall to dark side after two Justice Leagues of him being a fucking stand up guy and and really seeing the test of his metal and seeing the test of his goodness and seeing a Captain America level journey. For yeah. him because Captain Mar- Captain America spits in the face of Snyder Superman. I'm just like, that is a good man without having to try. And he's still a badass because people he's still a badass. And it's still America's cool. ass. He's boring. Like, but Captain America has those same qualities. Like, yeah. Chris Evans fucking knocked it out. Like, oh my God. People just... who say, yeah, you can't do a Chris Reeves Superman anymore. Like, that's what Chris Evans did. Like, I mean, he was just perfect. <laughs> yeah, didn't sacrifice quality of character, quality of acting, quality of nothing was sacrificed, and yet he was a decent man. Yeah, a very decent man. Yeah. Um, the thing, uh, uh, the thing that Marvel did was like they they spent their time because they weren't sure it was gonna hit. Right, Iron Man was an experiment. They were like, let's yeah. do this. Let's have it almost as it's a standalone movie. They, they put it all on the line. Scene. It yeah. was Marvel. Like Marvel was like in bankruptcy, just got out of it. And it was just like doubled down. Let's use the heroes. We do. And they didn't like, have access 
Like, and they didn't have access to any of their major characters. Yeah, yeah. sold them all. Iron, like, Iron because Man Iron Man was not a bankable B-list. character. He was B- yeah. like he's not even just, B-list like before that. But like had just brought him like up to higher tier with Civil War. Yeah. Like Civil War had just hit when he when they did the Iron Man movie. Like did, really? Yeah. Yeah. Civil War was two thousand six, two thousand seven, and Iron Man oh, hit wow. two thousand eight. So he had, not to mention yeah. they hired yeah. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, no, no. no. I looked it up. I was going to say, not to mention they hired Robert Downey Jr., who at that point couldn't get a job to save his life. Yeah. Like, they they had to, like, get extra insurance. Like, they had problems getting him cast. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we forget how that was such a gamble. Yeah. Like, to the point, like, Marvel would have failed. Marvel Comics would have been gone had that movie failed. And this is before the DC buy. Like DC bought them because they were profitable. They were doing the movies and the movies had potential. They're progressing with that momentum. The Disney buy, you mean? Sorry, what did I say? DC? The, the DC, DC buy. Oh, sorry, I meant Disney. Like, I meant Disney. What, what, yeah, yeah, yeah. what earth yeah. are we on right now? Uh, I, meant, I meant Disney. But um, what yeah. Marvel did was introduce a solo character with a supporting cast and a villain, right? They did it with Iron Man. They did it with Incredible Hulk. They did it with Thor. They did it with uh, Iron Man 2, Captain America. Then, boom, Avengers. Then they start making more risks, right? Giving us Guardians of the Galaxy. Because they had that. A Guardians movie. (laughs) And that's why I say that James has lost a direction, too. Has lost a generation. Because kids nowadays can get Rocket fucking Raccoon on their backpack. Do, yeah. do we get yep. do do we get Booster Gold on a backpack? That's like Booster Gold no. is a higher oh, profile God, character. They made a Booster Gold movie. I'd be so happy. Do Booster Gold is a higher profile DC character than Rocket Raccoon is in Marvel, or at least was. Oh really? At By far, time, yeah. Rocket By far, Raccoon yeah. was I, barely used. I've only read a couple like Marvel. I've over, yeah. from Marvel. I've really only read House of M. Yeah. Spider Gwen and Daredevil. I yeah. I what Daredevil? Everything I know Marvel. What? What Daredevil? Um, I can't remember exactly who the writer was. The mm. artist was um, Ron Garney. And I, I'll be honest, I picked that up because Ron Garney's actually my cousin. <laughs> oh. Okay. I think that's so newer. I was like, hey, my cousin's I, I an artist. Think, Let me I, check think, that out. I think that's a newer one. So I think yeah. Ron Garney came on like post Mark Wade run. It's black. Yeah, it, it looks it like the black like and red suit. Yeah, it was black and yeah. red. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was okay. Like yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the ten fingers or something with the bad guy. Yeah, that's like yeah, that's post Secret War. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. This is world reboot. It's yeah. it's the one where they had the um, he had the sidekick blind. Um, his name's not Blindside. Yes. He kind of had like that the the one guy. Fr- uh, I forget. He was an Asian character. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's been a minute um, since I read it. Basically, Guardians of the Galaxy were a Z-list Marvel team that would only Whoa. pop up when there were space and, adventures to do. And like the second iteration of them too, like the oh, second yeah. version, and like the let like in the moment more popular because they were more recent, but like overall less known than their original counterpart because they're the the originally the Guardians are the Legion of Superheroes. They're the Marvel team a thousand years in the in the, the original, yeah. Yeah. That's where Yandu comes from. That's so wild to me because I can just 
I used, they, they seem like the kind of perfect comic book characters because they're such a ragtag team of just total weirdos yeah. that get tossed together. Yeah. And obviously it worked so well for the movie and I would just, I can just see how that would work really well in comics. I mean, it was, it, so it yeah, surprises me it, they was, it was a full reboot that we got from them. Um, uh, Dan Abnett um, uh, and Lanning, like um, they had just done, ironically, had just done a really solid uh, Legion of Superheroes run mm-hmm. and they were brought on to sort of handle Marvel's cosmic side. And they did the Annihilation series, which mm-hmm. is like this like big cosmic event. Uh, set in, like the far reaches of like Marvel space, and that's where that version of the Guardians of the Galaxy first formed. But like, oh cool, Drax, like it's also like <laughs> like Drax it was like he is originally a saxo jazz saxophonist. Well, yeah, and like his soul is put into the Drax body. Yeah, like it's like bonkers, weird Jim Starlin stuff. Yeah. Oh my god. And like he and was a Gamora, human who yeah. died in a car crash, and his soul yeah. went into the body of Drax. The human part had like a just a like a like a just a basic name, and he was a jazz saxophonist. Yeah, and he wears like this like crazy hood uh, with like a yeah. like a cowl like, that's like vision with a yeah, skull like on, the, down, like, on the on the cape. Just, I think he was was he a was he an update of the World War II destroyer? He might have been. I don't know. From Marvel Comics? But, like, that's, like, to show, like, what Abnett and Lanning did, and then James Gunn. And he was. And bring us to DC. But, like, it, it's getting to the root of these characters and figuring out how to service them where you're not destroying the core of the character, but also understanding that you're modernizing and updating the characters to fit into a modern world. Because, yeah, yeah, how much, like, Golden Age stuff has to be so massaged into, like, being able to fit nowadays into modern right. storytelling. Which is why, which is why superhero movies have a little bit more killing. Like, I feel like, like, there's just a difference in morality now than there was back then. Uh, Caitlin, were you yeah. going to say something? I was going to say that, you know... I think one of the big mistakes that DC is doing is they keep trying to make the movies out of the big major players where, yeah. you know, James Gunn, he was like, hey, let's do Guardians of the Galaxy. And I'm really hoping he'll do that with DC. When you do Superman and Batman, those people, those movies have been made a hundred times now. Everybody knows them. Everybody has an opinion. Yeah. And usually a really, really strong opinion on how those characters should be portrayed. But when you pull from, you know, the bottom of the pile and say, hey, let's make a movie out of this random character that maybe a couple people care about, you have so much more freedom to play with that character yeah. and create a story and introduce them to a new audience. Let's talk yeah. about James Gunn. Let, let, let's talk about him. He he started off as sort of a punk alternative kind of comedic filmmaker. He's a drama. Yeah. Right. So Trevor, I know, is a is a big fan. Um okay. and then he got tapped to do Guardians after, you know, having a whole like he already had his 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 um experience he, as a film. He had done like 
three movies at that point. Slither. He did Slither. Um, that um, one with um, Rain, Rain Wilson. Wilson. Yeah. Super. Um, super. Yes. We've done that. And then I, I want to say there's a third movie, but I can't recall mm-hmm. what it is. But also he wrote Scooby-Doo 1 and 2. He didn't direct yeah. them, but he wrote yeah. it. Yeah. And uh, then he gets tapped to do Guardians. It's, again, it's a ragtag team. It's separate than the Marvel kind of storylines that were going on because he could kind of do his own thing, maybe touch a little on Thanos that was coming up. Um, mm-hmm. And it was a, a bunch of characters that he reinterpreted to serve the purpose of the plot, which again, nobody was married to the Guardians. Yeah. Like the Guardians as a comic idea. They are, they were like space cops. It was just kind of like, like especially Star-Lord, he had an element gun. Like it wasn't important. He changed a lot of it. Um, and like then the comics changed, they kind of brought in a lot of movie elements to kind of push them forward. Mm-hmm. But it was a smash hit, right? Guardians, yeah, and people wanted more and more. And Guardians and... is the reason I started watching Marvel. Guardians, yeah. yeah, I had watched like the first two Thors, but I wasn't invested in Marvel. And then well, I watched Guardians, the worst I was like, path. okay, I need to go back and watch everything, <laughs> yeah. Uh, just kind of like WandaVision got a lot of people interested, like people who hadn't even watched any Marvel stuff. Yeah. WandaVision got them in. And it is that a specific demographic. Me. I know so many women who got into Marvel because of WandaVision. Because WandaVision yeah. gave them something that they wanted as opposed to the normal, you know, Incredible Hulk. Like we don't, yeah, you know, it spoke to them well, in, a, in a way that wasn't speaking earlier. Marvel. I was obsessed with WandaVision. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, so good. But Marvel It's has- my favorite. Marvel the has the oh. ability to adapt more right. so than DC, I feel. DC deals in archetypes and Marvel deals with stories. Uh, not to like belittle what DC, DC does, but like the way they build their stuff, like Marvel can adapt to being more stuff like that. Like we see like even Spider-Verse, mm. like how different that was, but also the various interpretations of Spider-Man and seeing that, and like, and also like, basically seeing that as, um, an answer to Lego Batman because Lego Batman kind of had a lot of the same things. Like, we're gonna call oh, back so everything about Batman that you've seen so far in the let in the lore and the legends, and like build out from that. But I think Marvel just because of like it coming from like the '60s and Stan Lee having a, a sort of more publisher mindset of like. Fuck it, just like adapt it to whatever. Like it's about selling stuff. It's about like because like through the fifties they were just chasing trends the entire time. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so Marvel is very adaptable because all of their staff kind of had to do everything because Martin Goodman just wanted them to chase the trends of what was popular. They were always playing catch up for so so long, and now um, the movies ironically are what are setting the tone for it. And. And it brings up to mind what the difference between like a dramatization of a comic versus a adaptation. An adaptation is a reinterpretation, right? And mm-hmm. DC tends to either go too far or too small with their adaptation. They, yeah. you know, um, things that don't necessarily fit. Now, if you take one of the oldest stories that we like still use in pop culture today, like Romeo and Juliet, right? Like if there have been million bajillion adaptations of Romeo and Juliet, but it still keeps to the soul of Romeo and Juliet, right? Yeah. Um, why is it? Is it it's because people understand 
what Romeo and Juliet's about. They know that they can't change that one nugget, but you can set it in space. You can have it be about a family of robots and a family of pirates and the robot and the pirate want to fall in love. You could do like, and then it's still Romeo and Juliet. We have yeah. Romeo and Juliet. I don't know if you ever saw that. <laughs> That movie. I, remember that I did. One. I did see it. It's not too bad. I don't think I saw it, but I remember I when it. it came out. Uh, it's it's not as we bad as it new, sounds. We have a new Romeo and Juliet. Is I think it's a show. I think on Hulu. Uh, oh, the Rosalind. The, the Rosalind. Yeah, Rosalind. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like about Romeo's ex girlfriend or something. Yeah, yeah. the girl. Yeah. He's I want to see that. Play. Yeah. I want to see that too. Um, but the problem with with a lot of the so Marvel tends to do that pretty well. They pinpoint their one quality. Like Tony Stark in in the first movie is so different than Tony Stark in the in the um, comics at that point. Like Tony Stark in the comics was not snarky, he wasn't funny, he was kind of obsessive. But like you kept the nugget of like Tony Stark is a futurist. He's he's you know building his suit, um, and he has a has to atone for his past weapons manufacturing, right? Yeah. And then they let Robert Downey Jr. play with it and they built Tony Stark and his story around that. And mm-hmm. I thought that worked really well as opposed to like, what's an example of DC that crashes and burns because they don't adapt too much? Steel. Man of Steel? <laughs> oh, Steel. No, Steel. Like, steel. Uh, how far from the source material that is that like a character who was created as a response to the death of Superman yeah, they felt they could. I mean, aside Shaquille O'Neal's casting aside, like the fact that they <laughs> felt that they could remove that whole thing of it, yeah, and, and still adapt the character. It's just like the, so far removed from it, right? Like um, that's like yeah. it's it's the fact that like uh, the Sam Raimi stuff is disconnected because it's not it doesn't have all the Marvel stuff, but like that there's a actual like spider-man in that like yeah yeah stuff pulled from the comics and i don't think we got that from batman until until batfleck like i remember the trailer where it's the he's like flying away from doomsday from bvs he's flying away from doomsday and like hits a wall and then does his grapple gun and it's just like that is out of a comic that's out of batman the animated series like we've never seen a genuine batman because yeah. it's been like tim burton hadn't ever read a comic book christopher nolan looked down on the comic book forum like yeah these like seminal moments in these those movies. Con- yeah they're yeah. great great movies because the strength of the character can survive the adaptation but there is mm-hmm. also a contempt from the filmmakers towards yeah. the source material and it's just like you don't need to be like a nerd about it right you need to respect that it comes from another form and it's also like the language of a batman story is comic books yeah like that's moments and beats come from like that version of storytelling and if you just throw it aside you're gonna miss um, like important beats of the character right and i think dc that's always been dc's problem is like this like shame of the source material classic yeah christopher nolan was classically ashamed of the source material yeah Like, like like james gunn's the first person to embrace it I feel and like make it better. 
like yeah. doing yeah. new things, like with Guardians, with Guardians Two, with, with like, those characters, the, the Suicide Squad and the Peacemaker, Suicide Squad. like so Peacemaker good. totally surprised me. Yeah, I did not yeah. expect to love that show as much as I did. I I really loved the Suicide Squad. And then they said they were making a Peacemaker show. And I'm like, of all the characters from that movie, I couldn't care less about this character. <laughs> yeah. And then I was, and I then I was saying how good it was. I was like, okay, let me, let me sit down. If somebody had just showed me the, the, the opening theme, I probably, that probably would have sucked me in a lot earlier. Cause that was so hysterical. Yeah. <laughs> um, they, they made me care about this man that I previously just, absolutely hated i abhorred him and you were meant to hate him like yeah. that was yeah it's not like a ooh, daddy like it's not like a a dark crush sort of thing it's not like a venom thing we're just like love to hate him like with tom hardy yeah he was it's just like, an awful yeah. person you were meant james gun intended for you to hate him mm-hmm. and then kind of get a redemption show. story from yeah him, right yeah i mean he's still a jerk but he yeah. Yeah. he grew he had genuine growth yeah right uh, I'm a I'm a proponent of the fact that like one sacrifice does not redeem a person. I think redemption is a lifelong process. So mm-hmm. personally, this is a wild take. I don't think Tony Stark redeemed himself. I think he took the easy way out. Maybe, maybe maybe it was necessary. It was necessary. Uh, no, that's, I don't, that's a valid point. I don't a valid even, point, but I also think killing Thanos is quite the win. <laughs> It is. Yeah, that, but that, like, that can that can knock out quite the red in your ledger. Right. I mean, he did, you know, give I up think... a future he had hoped for with a child, but he had also caught done things in his past before becoming Iron Man that had caused so much pain and destruction to others. Yeah. And as and that's Iron not... Man, he created Ultron. It, yeah, and as Iron Man. Well, yeah. Well, it's, Ultron. you know, hi, it's me. I'm the problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Also, and... U- Ultron, like age of ultron more like a couple of days of ultron like yeah <laughs> he You're, didn't do as stark much, apologist. we didn't do it ultron didn't do as much damage as we want to hope he did right yeah right but no no i hear i hear what you're saying war yeah. and it you know civil war was him just feeling guilty because somebody had finally yeah. called him out on hey this is what your business has done to me personally yeah, yeah. Uh, officially like repealed now in the MCU. Yeah, the Sokovia Accords. The Sokovia yeah. Accords yes. officially <laughs> repealed. It's just like, well, way to go, Tony. <laughs> but like Shang Chi and Wen Wu, his father, like Wen Wu saved him at the end and got like sucked like his soul out. Mm-hmm. I don't think that sacrifices makes up for centuries so, of of no. conquest. No, no. But so, Dimitri, do you believe? there should be an Anakin Force ghost at the end of Return of the Jedi. Uh, no. <laughs> I, I, I I think that... I mean, Anakin... it should definitely not be Hayden Christensen, but you feel a whole... I said no. Oh, I mean, you want to... Yeah, you want to bring up Star Wars? No, I don't think Anakin <laughs> redeems himself. He sacrifices himself. He never redeems himself. It's so last minute that he's like, you know what? For you, son. <laughs> right. And and yeah, people who say son, that Vader, like... <laughs> Vader and Anakin are two different people, it's not dissociative identity disorder. It's not. He is Anakin. Anakin, with a couple drinks in him, is Vader. You get what I'm yeah. like. That's what it is. When you when you, you know, heavens forbid, I get trigger warning. 
when you hurt someone you love when you're drunk, that is still you. That's not you when you're drunk. Absolutely. That is you. I couldn't agree more. And that's not you when you're like Anakin and Vader aren't two different people. You when you're drunk, you're not a different person. Your inhibitions are, are, uh, are, um, you know, uh, uh, let loose, right? Yeah. You commit evil. It means you're, you're capable of evil. Yeah. At any moment. You, you don't believe him when he said, I killed Anakin Skywalker. You don't, you don't believe that. Which part? Wait, who said? In in, in Kenobi, in in the end of Kenobi, which is like, you didn't kill Anakin. I dared. Yeah, but that's just just a person trying to But Anakin's saying that. Yeah. It's just a person like, trying to kill. All right, Anakin, like he, he you killed, killed Anakin. Who... Thanks for telling I me, feel Anakin. Like, yeah, when he when he says, like, you know, I killed Anakin, it's you know, I killed who you thought I was. Right. That, there that was image, this person that, that you believed I was. That person and is I dead. Killed that. That yeah. person's gone. That person wasn't real. Yeah. Here's the truth. Right. You know, and and just because like, and we all make mistakes. Also, we all don't kill a bunch of children in a in a Jedi temple. But like we all make mistakes that we then atone yeah. for and try to redeem ourselves if we make mistakes when we're drunk. If that's what happens, if we make mistakes yeah. when we're angry or upset or whatever, we then atone for it. We try to uh, like make up for it. But that's a lifelong process. Yeah. You know, um, and there's a difference between like. You know, I'm drunk and I said something that was somewhat mean to a friend versus right. I'm drunk and I murdered people. Right. Or there's I a, hit. There's something. a big. Yeah. That's, that's a big difference. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, I forget where I was going with this. Oh, peacemaker, I think is, is what it was. Yeah, right. Peacemaker. Yeah. So like peacemaker <laughs> being alive, not being dead, not having to sacrifice himself. It's a lifelong process. I can accept. Yeah. He, his death was like, not a noble sacrifice like his death in the suicide squad was not oh, noble. No. no it was a bad like it, it was, was a... it was it was both to stop him he was from actively trying to murder someone else and but also like a, a destruction of like his self-confidence with the smaller bullet comment coming and bite like ironically coming back and biting him like yeah. it's so yeah. much of a full death of his previous self that like he's really crawling up from like some for like he really got knocked down and i I didn't want a peacemaker show but gun made it work gun made it work he really did i have faith i have faith in gun here here's an interesting thought that i want to pose to both of you people are afraid that with gun overseeing the dc studios that the whole universe then becomes a gunniverse right like that all of dc's properties are then going to be gunified right that being said, I don't think that's the case. I think Gunn has a lot of wherewithal and, and self-awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, I think that he wouldn't push his thing. But that's kind of been the problem with Marvel in the beginning and DC. DC was starting to become the Snyderverse. Everything was Snyder. Like, Wonder Woman, even though Patty Jenkins made it, like, had Snyder elements to it. That, yeah. like, we're trying to link to that. The whole universe runs on the philosophy of Snyder. In the beginning of Marvel, you had the universe starting to run on a philosophy of Joss Whedon, and that Joss Whedon was weaved into this universe. Yeah, and then they got rid of him, and then we were like, "That is oh, not God. what we're going." But then it became the Russos with right. the overarching sort of Kevin Feige thing. Right. Honestly, like 
to answer your question, I feel that that's what DC's been missing. Is like gun is, everything gun? No, just some sort of unifying thing because oh, yeah. even the Snyder versification of everything wasn't fully embraced. Like that's no. the problem too. It's just like I don't agree with the Snyderverse. I actively hate it. But mm-hmm. it, it as a guiding principle, it would have better served a lot of stuff. Like if they like embraced it fully. What do you guys yeah. think? Uh sorry, Caitlin. Oh, I I I agree. I do feel like DC almost was lacking somebody like Gunn. And I don't think it's necessarily like Gunn is just going to insert himself into anything. I, like you said, he's got that self-awareness. He's going to pick projects based on the comics. And because he's such a lover of comics himself, I have confidence that he will pick the right directors, producers, crew for the individual projects that they'll be making. You know, somebody who cares about the, you know we're making a movie on this character so i'm gonna hire that person because they care about that character yeah so there will be like linked elements but it won't just be like one guy yeah what's very interesting about character creation in general is that you have to be able to boil down a character into its basic components in order to know mm-hmm. what they're gonna do next so it's almost like the character writes the plot in a lot of movies especially snyder plot writes the character batman will make a choice that will be incongruent to anything else but it will be because it serves the plot but in real life we make choices based on our own feelings and emotions and motivations mm-hmm. we don't go what is the best thing so that's like the way i play D is like i play it my character chooses even if it's a bad decision my character determines what i do with it right mm-hmm. gun seems to get that because every yeah. one of his characters in the suicide the suicide squad whether they die in the first five minutes or not has a motivation has a personality trait that you could then take them out and you could be like well what if uh what if javelin goes and works at a starbucks you know what if like you could write a story about that and you would know based off of how james gunn was writing these small characters yeah. what they would do next I want to know more about Nathan Fillion's character. What's that? I want to know more about Nathan Fillion's character. He's still alive. He's still alive. Yeah, I want more. I want, I mean, put Nathan Fillion in something. I'm going to watch it. And that's honestly the stuff that's really working for DC right now, in my opinion, are the James Gunn stuff, the Suicide Squad, Peacemaker, Harley Quinn, the cartoon show. Yeah. So good. Got to keep in mind the animation is also part of DC Studios. Yeah. And uh, and James Gunn appeared in it this past season, so obviously yeah. that's safe under Gunn's regime. James Gunn, uh, <laughs> Doom Patrol, I think is is, yeah. is like the cream of the crop of their live action DC universe. Titans and, is and, lagging, and you know, Titans is a hot mess of a show. I'm not hot writing mess. it off, but it's... I hate it, but I love it. Yeah. I watch every episode. I'm just ha- oh, but... I watch. Yeah, and, I still and, haven't watched the last season of Doom Patrol. I've only watched the first two. I've watched everything well, yeah. Titan so far. I was excited to amazing. see Barbara. Um, yeah, and then you and saw her. <laughs> I'm so, yeah. I, I was so happy to see Barbara in any form because I just then, feel like she's so ignored. 
But when it comes to Titans, you know, it's like I, I have live action Dick Grayson in his Nightwing suit, but he doesn't feel like Dick Grayson. He's not. He's Batman. Fuck Batman. Light. Yeah. Yeah. He's not he's, even Batman. Where's light. the quippiness? Like, where's the joy? Yeah. The joy. It's what's missing in DC Comics is yeah. about joy. And we get aspects of darkness and joy in Marvel. DC needs to follow suit. There like, is a yeah. joy. There is a hope. Optimism. Even in the face of like dark side, Superman is going to inspire hope. Like that's yeah. what's annoying about the 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 darkness that we've seen in the DC film so far as they've tried to build a universe is like DC is not darkness. DC is light. DC is archetypes. Yeah. DC is it's the family. modern version of mythology. It's gods. It's it is people with absolute powers it's not humans who have augmented abilities like the marvel universe is like not to downplay that but like the stakes of marvel are humanity with augmented powers and augmented mm -hmm. uh, realities whereas dc is like straight up gods are bequeathing power to people like yeah. those are the stakes and like the fact that they are like no it's about the dregs of humanity and showing the corruption of that like the fact that like right now that the best performing movie they have is black adam and he's an anti-hero it's like you're gonna build something off an anti-hero like have you not fucking learned anything yet yeah like, and then also you know with the justice league i feel like you know when it comes to the mcu people always try to make the avengers seem like a family but at the end of the day they're co-workers as yeah. much as i would love for them to be a family they're co-workers he's a friend but from the work justice league <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. He's a friend from work. But the Justice League actually is a family. Those yeah. people truly love each other beyond their fighting side by side. Yeah. They, they have Thanksgiving together. Yeah. They have Christmas they have Thanksgiving together. together. Christmas. They, they, they visit they, each other's families. Exactly. They're like I mean, the, yeah, godparents and all sorts. Like it, yeah. Yeah. It's entirely like double dates. <laughs> yeah. 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 One like, of my favorite Batman comics. Yeah, Selena and Bruce out with Lois and Clark, like the best. Yeah, and like that's what uh, uh, over in the CW, Superman and Lois doesn't so good doesn't forget that. Like it, it's I one of the talk best about shows. Superman and Lois for a minute. Yeah, I so uh, I am. Um, what one thing I will always talk about is my personal favorites with Superman because. When it was announced that Henry Cavill was coming back and everyone online seemed to be celebrating, I was like, ah, oh, really? Like, we need Henry Cavill back. But when I go and watch Superman and Lois, I feel like I'm watching Superman the Animated Series. Yeah, you're actually watching he, Superman. Yeah, like Tyler Hecklin does such a perfect job of bringing that joy and that hope to the character and very accurately portrays the duality of Clark and Superman. You know, when he's Clark around people that don't know he's Superman, he's a different character. Yeah. And I believe he's a different character. I yeah. don't, when, you know, when with Henry Cavill and part of this is the writing. Part of this is that I personally wouldn't have cast Henry Cavill, even with the right writing. Mm. He puts on those glasses. He's still Superman. And it's so obvious. Yeah. <laughs> he just looks intimidating. I can't blame it's, Affleck or Cavill or really anyone under Snyder yeah. for their performance. Uh, no, they the do the best they can. 
but like Snyder's giving them direction that I don't think works yeah. for these characters. Yeah. Um, no. So I, I see. I will welcome oh. Henry Cavill back. But this is his chance to prove that he's the Superman that I want. Or, yeah. like, he has to be comparable to Tyler Hecklin, who's doing a great job as Superman. Yeah. Fantastic. By the way, Fucking I met him at Comic-Con. So nice. You took a picture with him, right? I did. I paid for the photo op. It was a thousand percent worth it. it I like thought you were going to say it's a thousand dollars. I'm like, holy No, shit. no, he was like a hundred dollars. <laughs> but no, like, um, that, it's... It was, it was so worth it. He was the second Superman I met while I was cosplaying as Spider-Man. <laughs> Also, he's the only Superman with with stubble. Yeah, but it works. Do you know why? I I went to see one of the panels at WonderCon. Um, Okay. He has to do that to look older because he's not old enough to have kids that age in real life. Oh, I know. He's like 33. Yeah. Can you pay? He is he 33? Maybe 35. Yeah, he's he's a young guy though. I Googled. I was like, oh, is he old enough for me to date? (laughs) (laughs) He's 35, born in Corral, California. I am older than Superman. Ugh. Yeah. But that's why he has the stubble and the five o'clock shadow is because interesting. Um but because like, of that. And Bitsy Tullock is a little bit older than him. Yeah, so, she's in her like early forties. He's facing like real threats. Like he he goes up against the uh steel first season and like some other like the, the Kryptonians like and taking the over bodies. Yeah, and then with the whole Bizarro arc in season two, like he's going up against stuff that like is yeah. Superman level. Like it's mm-hmm. not like the, the mistake of Superman Returns was like his big bad was an island. <laughs> like, yeah, that was uh, like, but like the you when you have someone who's like built in that like charming and sweet, but like actually facing real stuff, you have to really see Superman and like. It's just I, I I always I also just love it when he's not treated as Jesus because that's yeah. such an affront to the fact that he was created by two Jews. Like Yes. <laughs> like there's oh, so much he's Moses Hebrew mythology yeah. within uh within Superman. I mean he's he's a practically an allegory for Moses. Yeah. Right. Yeah, he's yeah. a guiding light, right? Yeah. yeah. Also, just comics in general are inherently Jewish. Yeah. It's oh, yeah. a very Jewish art form. The, the only like that's often forgotten when we adapt these characters to the screen. Yeah, no, it, it's it, like I, the only like, um, like goy people are the uh, the only Gentiles are the people who are like running it, like the publishers. Yeah, mm. I mean, like, don't I get think... me wrong. I love you know Wanda within the MCU. At, but the fact that she's not Jewish in those movies is such a valid criticism. It's because yeah. they cut the, her ties with Magneto. It's such a detriment to the character. It really is. You yeah. know what I mean? I mean, well, but they totally. even like, aside from her Judaism, like the fact that they don't embrace anything of her gypsy heritage. Yeah. Romani, like, right? Yeah. yeah. Romani, she's yeah. She's Romani and Jewish. Yeah. And they, they don't embrace that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and like, you see that, like, with the fact that Ben Grimm's never been given a, a Jewish depiction. Yeah. Pride's never been given a Jewish depiction. Like, the characters mm. who hang heavy as Jews in the in comic books have not been adapted faithfully in the comics. Because it, it's mm-hmm. considered a throwaway aspect of their character, right? But it's, yeah. like, but it's the only good. reason Magneto was Jewish in the movies is because they're like, oh, shit, we have to. 
like, I mean, his his backstory is inherently well, linked, right? To but the I'm Holocaust. sure they would have ditched his his Jewish heritage if it wasn't for that. Yeah, and it's a shame because they, that's yeah. they would. And you're right. No, it, it works as a power. They better not do that when they bring him into the MCU. I don't think they will, but I think they're going to have some no. other problems with with merging the X Men in. But that's a separate, um, yes. yeah, separate that's... thing. Um, what I wanted to uh, real quick about adaptation is that like Superman and Lois touched on Bizarro. And mm-hmm. adapted Bizarro in a different way than what we've seen before, and it works. It's you didn't so well. need Bizarro beat by beat. Um, Superman the Animated Series also did a very similar thing, where they gave us a version of Bizarro that wasn't the comics version, and it works. Like, mm-hmm. these different origin stories for Bizarro are different, well, but Bizarro can be the same. Su- yeah. Superman's a character who has also been, like, th- the other, like, thing and we talked about this before with like tony stark and like how he's been adapted re- reverse engineered into the comic books to be more like our our uh robert Downey jr yeah is like superman was built by other medium daily planet kryptonite perry flight? white oh no flight yeah flight, no flight is all created externally not in the comic books first yeah flight was from the cartoons yeah yeah, that's where the, the saying comes from because he would only leap. He wouldn't, he wasn't mm-hmm. flying. And so it's Superman's unique in the sense of like all this media has come together to inform who he is as an individual character. So kind of no one has like a full like ownership of him because no of one medium because they're modern. Yeah. That's, that's the that's the idea of modern mythology, right? Yeah. But at like, the same time, yeah. like, we can also all agree on like what is and what isn't Superman, despite what medium it's put in. Right. Um, they made a change to the character Alexandra Al- uh, Alston in Superman and Lois season two. In the comics, she's just another parasite. She's the second parasite. In mm-hmm. the in the show, they're like, we'll make her a parasite, but she's not a parasite. Yeah. You know, yeah, it was such they were an like, let's stick to the the take. spirit of things. Yeah. You know, and that's important mm-hmm. when we're doing adaptations. Now, now uh, I do want to make sure that we have time. Um, the basic regime change uh, that led us to DC Studios. There's been a couple of different dominoes that have been falling for a while. Um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I want to say Victor Zazaz, but that's not his name. Zazlav is David Zazlav. David Zazlav. I'm not a fan. I've done so. Nope. <laughs> I'm not a fan. He comes from Discovery and he's uh, the Discovery and Warner Brothers merger. He's he axed a bunch of things in order to get tax write-offs. Um because the way I the way I view it is his ownership did not greenlight those projects. So it's like a lion when they're coming in and they kill the other cubs. They take yeah. the women and they kill the cubs of those women that were from a previous a male lion. And it's also kind of what he's doing. A one-time deal. Like that's what I've learned from it. Is like this is only a tactic they can do this fiscal year because of the merger. Mm. This killing yeah. of stuff for tax write-offs is a one-time deal. So sucks for for Batgirl and some of the other stuff that we've lost. But like once once twenty twenty three hits, the ship has sailed. Like so yeah. we don't have to worry about this being a trend until the next merger which seems to happen every 10 or so years for warner brothers unless they do someone buys them 
and improve that they're a product worth having. Uh, but I mean, like uh, we've gone from AOL, Time Warner, Time Warner, uh, AT&T, AT&T was in there somewhat. Uh, yeah. Like Discovery, like Warner Brothers has been passed around. So let's not forget that this might happen again in the near future. Oh, yeah. Right. Um, Batgirl being axed, though, sucks for so many different yeah. reasons. And yes, I guess, is it an assuring that, like, in, once 2023 happens, there won't be any more axing, but they will be choosy with what project they're putting forward? I guess. But, like, Kaylin, you're but why a did Batgirl it have to be Batgirl? I am. She's, it doesn't make any sense. Girl, She's my absolute favorite. And, um, you know, I made a video a while back talking about like why it feels honestly disrespectful. And, you know, from a logical business standpoint, yeah, I get it. I know why they did things the way they did. But I think they did it at the expense of so many different people and groups of people. You know, we were getting, first of all, this was supposed to be Leslie Grace's second film ever. Really? She's only ever done. Yeah, her first film was in the Heights, which came out last year, which she was phenomenal in. So she really wasn't she's a newcomer on the scene. Yeah. And I could tell how much she cared about Barbara. You know, she's released behind the scene footage on from her time on set, which include, you know, I can see in her dressing room, she has Batgirl comics. She's doing that research. And you know, the fact that they were doing the Batgirl Burnside suit, I was very excited about. Um and you know, not only did they cast Leslie Grace, Leslie Grace is a woman of color. Yeah. And so, you know, obviously, you know, Barbara Gordon's whiteness is not important to her character. So I was really excited to see a new group of people represented through a character that I love. And, you know, when I when I got re- into reading Batgirl, it was when Barbara was fresh back as Batgirl. She had had this surgery to restore her ability to walk, which, you know, I that I know that's controversial validly so, you know, removing her physical disability. Um, But something I found so powerful in her character is that, you know, when she's fresh back as Batgirl, she's suffering severe PTSD. She's, there's one, in one of the early issues, she's confronted with a villain and she freezes when the guy points a gun at her because that's what caused her injury. And, but she doesn't let it stop her. She gets, you know, she has that moment she she accepts it she gets past it and she uses that moving forward to power herself and continue to grow and face her fears you know it's such a she's facing her internal villains and her literal villains and i feel like that's unfortunately a very relatable story for many people especially women who have been through such intense trauma to have to get back up and live their life and face those things that have harmed them again. And I wanted other people to experience that story and see a hero like her that haven't, you know, cause you know, the fact of the matter is, is when you make a movie, you make these characters more accessible to the masses. Not everybody's going to pick up a comic book, but people will go to the movies. Yeah. As much as I love comic books. I, yeah, I agree with you. Well, and, and like, I'm always saying, and and there's the fact that like uh, Emma Stone in Amazing Spider-Man, her appearances brought a new spotlight back to Gwen Stacy and and sort yeah. of brought about the reappraisal that led to Spider Gwen. 
Right. Like, She's such a cool uh, character. Yeah, Spider Gwen is amazing. Love her. One and, of the few Marvel comics I've I've gotten into. But like, it speaks volumes to the fact that like going into the Amazing Spider Man films and hearing Gwen Stacy was cast at the time, it was just well, what movie is she going to die in? Like yeah. that was, she's the girl who dies. That's her, yeah. that's French. her, that was her thing. Yeah. She was the original fridge girl. Like she was, French and... and like, that was her, like her thing. That same with yeah. like Jean Grey. Like, it's a matter of like, you have these story beats of like, when is this going to happen for these characters? And it's like horrific, tragic, traumatic events that we seem to like, oh, these are the demarcations of what these characters yeah. are. And putting them back into other media has allowed us to reappraise them. Mm-hmm. Allowed... And, and that's what I love about the Barbara Gordon stories, you know, in the killing joke back in the eighties, the writers who, who I'm trying to remember, Alan, it was Alan Moore. Moore, right? Alan, Alan Moore. Moore. He didn't have a future plan for, okay, we're, we're shooting he... Barbara through the spine, paralyzing her. He didn't have a plan for, okay, what happens with her next? I don't and, even think she's confirmed paralyzed but in she, that you know, she, issue. She was like that, no, I know, no, 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 I'm not defending Alan Moore, but like to, to further your point yeah. of like how he did not even establish that. I don't even she think was he was simply bold there enough. Yeah. As a motivator for why Batman is going after the Joker. And she, yeah. you know, she was just used as a plot device. And it wasn't yeah. until, you know, a year or so later that other writers were like, well, wait a second this is a cool character you know okay so she's been shot she's paralyzed we can still do more with her and um you know they turned her into the oracle and she was still a superhero from her wheelchair which was so powerful and such important visibility for the disabled community well it's just like there's a lot of female characters who have been created reactionarily yeah like Barbara Gordon and Batgirl is created because the show wanted a female character. Mm-hmm. So that's why Barbara Gordon exists. She-Hulk was created because Stan Lee got paranoid that the TV show was going to make a, a female Hulk. And so he's like, mm-hmm. well, I'll take care of that. Same with Spider-Woman. They, they they were worried about the trademark for Spider-Woman when they were shopping the Spider-Man um, series for other, to other, um, other mediums. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of female characters who've been created just to fulfill trademarks and to get uh, copyright claims. Yeah. And also the original Batwoman and Batgirl who were created just to prove that Batman and Robin weren't gay. Yeah. Oh, they can't (laughs) be gay. And then ironically, Batwoman is famously gay. Yeah. Um, I want to read just a quick quote. Mm -hmm. This, By the way, this episode of The Keen Talks is brought to you by a lot of quotes. I don't normally do this. This is a special (laughs) episode. Um, in you don't normally research. No, I mean we do research, <laughs> but we don't read quotes out loud like that. It's normally like I think I remember this happening, and it's like oh. Yeah. So quotes are uh, in 2006 during an interview with Wizard, uh, Moore expressed oh, regret over the treatment of the character, calling it shallow and in- ill-conceived. Moore uh, stated before writing the graphic novel that he had asked DC if they had any problem with him crippling Barbara Gordon, who was Batgirl at the time, and if Moore remembers. Moore spoke to Len Wein, who was editor on the project, and following a discussion with then-executive editorial director Dick Giordano, Len got back onto the phone and said, yeah, okay, cripple the bitch. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember reading that somewhere. Well, it's like the same with like Gwen Stacy. 
was that Gwen yeah. Stacy was killed because they had they couldn't think of anything other for her to do rather uh, other than get her and Peter married or broken up. And they yeah. didn't like either of those options. So they just said, well, we'll kill her. Yeah. Um, credit to, almost... to writer Kim Yale and John Ostrander, who were uh, yeah. married. Uh, they, it says, rather than allow the character to fall into his obscurity, the two, Yale and Ostrander, decided to revive her as a character living with a disability. Well, otherwise, she would have just fantastic. That's the, the other thing about, not, not to like sound like I'm discounting things of like a lot of these characters that like big swings were taken on in the eighties were falling into obscurity. That's why the flash was killed in crisis Why Supergirl was killed in crisis because mm. they were falling into obs obscurity. Barbara Gordon wasn't even <laughs> Batgirl at the time. Like she had retired. Uh, yeah. It says, I thought she was Batgirl. No, says, she was like, she had like jet like a year or so ago. DC had hired Barbara Kessel to write the Batgirl special specifically to retire the character to set her in place for the Killing Joke. Oh, oh. so they decided to retire her because the Killing Joke was coming. I didn't know that. Yeah, was coming up. Still yeah. upsetting. It almost feels like the axing of the movie very much parallels what the character has gone through in the comics. A weird meta commentary on. Yeah. What? And they finished the movie. They there shouldn't have been a reason. To, like I understand the tax break, but they could have just released the movie. You yeah. weren't going to make money on the movie being. It was going to HBO Max to begin with. But no, they've done. You, they can't done they, so much. Getting the tax write off means they legally can never make any money off of it ever. Yeah, but that's how does the, that work? The, we'll, we'll the streaming service. Uh, they would make money off of it somehow. Somehow they money make money off made. of yeah. the streams and you know, subscriptions the subscriptions. And, and... Yeah. I just always find it funny that like when I started reading comic books, the Trinity of the Arrowverse, Green Arrow, Flash, and Supergirl were all dead when I started reading comics. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oliver Queen was dead, Barry Allen was dead, Cara Danvers was dead. Hal Jordan was dead for me. Hal Jordan was dead too. Um, and that's the that's the that's what I um grew up with right it was wally west flash dealing with the death of barry allen and becoming his own man kyle rayner having never met hal jordan being just an independent last green lantern in all the universe that was mm -hmm. kyle rayner connor hawk pops in he's the the illegitimate son of green arrow who back then didn't know that connor had been born even um mm -hmm. there was kind of a passing of the mantle and development of those characters no or under the assumption that those other characters would never come back. Yeah. And then they came back. <clears throat> well, and that's like the, the thing that like what Marvel is having growing pains with, but accepting is the fact that time goes on and stories progress. And like, that's what's so fr frustrating about reading DC comics is the reversion of Hal Jordan and Barry Allen all coming back after Deck, especially with Wally West, decades of work put into that character to make them independent and to basically yeah. just make Dick Grayson the the sole winner of that. Like Dick Grayson, you are the only character who gets to evolve and grow, but you just get to tap out a Nightwing. You're not going to be anything more. You know, I'm not going to make you Batman forever, maybe right. a year or two. But I'm okay like, with him not being Batman. <laughs> no, me too. But like, it's it's the fact of like this stuff grows and evolves, 
And the fact that DC keeps trying to make it about the glory days, yeah. I think is also what's making it detrimental. It, um, it's funny like, because it's, it's a universe built on legacy. Like DC yeah, has yeah. something that Marvel does not. And that's the concept of legacy pushing forward. Yeah. If I were in charge of the DC movies, Barry would not be Flash. It would be Wally. You could and that's literally... in part because I. Oh, sorry. Oh, I was gonna say, and that's in part because I grew up on Justice League the animated series. That was my intro to superheroes, and I absolutely loved Flash in that show. Um, yeah. It should be Wally. But like, even just like the the fan response of like the MCU with Spider Man, of just like, okay, but when's Miles gonna come around? <laughs> Like the, the, is legacy is something that fans really, really enjoy. The fact that mm -hmm. people are still like, no, Wally's my Flash. This Barry yeah. and like Barry Allen in the comics and the T and the uh, in the TV show and the movie is very Wally esque. Yeah, like yeah. It, it's they have been sort of pilfering Wally the same way they kind of pilfered Miles for some of MCU Spider Man stuff, Genki. Um, and and the 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 school of the, the school, school, yeah, the, the tech school, the 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 fact that they go to a STEM school, but yeah, it's a legacy is something that like fans have responded to well mm -hmm. in the past. Like it's only recently with this like reversion demand from the publisher and the sort of incel assholes. We're just like, oh, no, this diversity change. Oh, Captain Marvel's supposed to be a dude. Uh, like, all nobody that cared reaction. about Marvel. Let's be honest. Nobody cared yeah. about Marvel. Nobody cared about Genesis either. Like, we have had a yeah. couple of dude Captain Marvels before Carol even showed up. Yeah. The yeah. female, the females of the Marvel family are, and we're talking Marvel's Marvel family, is are clearly better. Philavel, Miss Marvel, Kamala Khan. Uh, Monica Rambeau and Carol Danvers are yeah. all better characters than Marvel and Genesvel. Well, and, oh, Carol... and Marvel Boy. Yeah. Yeah, he sucks. <laughs> <laughs> he was only cool when he was like a weird bisexual in Young Avengers. He, yeah, well, <laughs> he's now like pansexual. He's, yeah, he's only, uh, honestly, the best thing they did with the character is they pair, uh, he's dating Hercules now. Mm. Oh, cool! Marvel Boy and Hercules are were dating in the All recent right. Guardians of the Galaxy run. I like that. Oh, interesting. Other than I, I mean, makes me feel a little icky is the classic, and I'm not of this community, so I can't really speak too much of it. But like the old gay, young gay couple is kind of. I mean, I can only compare it to old well, straight and it's, young. But it's straight. also like that's what's so infuriating. It's just like. Oh, that's the hang up. And it's just like, you know, Marvel Boy is a cockroach person, right? Like, <laughs> and Hercules is not just an old, he is millennia older. Like, yeah. I'm not familiar but with it's, these characters. It, but it's the well, same. Hercules, I know Hercules, is Hercules in mythology. Yeah. <laughs> Marvel Boy, uh, crazy Grant Morrison creation uh, from the Marvel Knights imprint from the it's an, early it's 2000s. A pocket universe. Well, he's like a genetic soldier. Clone. He, he he takes the name Marvel Boy just because he learns of he's sent to Earth and like learns of the lore mm. and take. I don't even know if he calls himself Marvel Boy or if the moniker is bestowed upon him. Mm. Yeah, it's just weird Graham Morrison nonsense. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, but yeah, but it's uh, just like like 
focus on that. Like, or the fact that like, oh my God, like uh, John Kent is bisexual. John Kent is an alien. <laughs> right. Nobody's well, talking about like, like when DC finally confirmed that Wonder Woman is bisexual and people were like, oh, I'm sorry. She's not from an island of only women. Yeah. What were you expecting? They're just waiting also, around thank for Thank you man for to finally saying it, DC. Like, right. finally we have that. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's weird how some people who are very against these, these characters being changed in any way, but let's say specifically for the sexual orientation, like, do you think Velma, like, Velma's just waiting around for the right man to sweep her off her feet? Is that kind of yeah. the... Is that the is, is Wonder Woman like she just has to wait around? All these Amazons on the island just have to wait around for the right wait man. Wait around for the man, yeah. And it's like, you know also I think you know when these stories start coming out, people are like, oh, you're just gonna suddenly make them gay. And it's like, no, coming out is a process. And now we're seeing that character go through that process of first the self acceptance, and then you start to tell those close to you, and then you finally get to start living your life openly, which is not an easy process. And I think it's really important to see those stories finally being tell or told. Um, I mean, I just recently bought the um, the DC Pride issue earlier this summer, mm, and yeah, fantastic. Um, also, there's a Kevin Conroy's story at the end, which is his yeah. personal story. It was so moving, so beautiful to see what he had to go through in the industry, which ultimately led him to the role of Batman. Um, but then also and like, reading the stories of these characters. It was it was fantastic to see all this visibility. Yeah. Kevin Conroy is so many people's the like that's my Batman. He's my Batman. And, like to have like that, like it's it's so funny. Like the people who like, oh, why are you interjecting this stuff? Like, um, because like Wonder Woman being bisexual, like you understand that she, the basis of the character, Diana Prince was based on uh, this woman who was in a thruple with yeah. uh, her creator and his wife. in kink. <laughs> yeah, kink and bisexuality. Like, she yeah. is queer and kink from the jump. Even if, yeah, even if jump. it wasn't officially said by DC until, like, 2016, she's always been bi. Right. And yeah. it's so clear that she has. It's. I mean, the Comic Code Authority did hurt a lot of things. Well, it, it was that, you know? and the yeah. fact that Charles uh, uh, William Moulton Morston died like eight years into it, and the person they brought yeah. in was very much not him. <laughs> kind of yeah. like he was like Gary Conway being brought in to replace Stan Lee. Just like you are coming from a completely different mindset of the original writer. Yeah. 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 Um. I want to talk about as we as we like you know as we wind things down. I want to talk about the future. What these DC studios like? What's on the slate for the future? Mm -hmm. What can we hope to see with this change? Um, well, okay, before before you start, what's unavoidably coming out? Like what's already on the way that okay. is already not on the way impacted? We've got Shazam too, which I'm Shazam too, which I'm hard. very much looking forward to. Yeah. I feel like Shazam is not talked about enough because honestly, it was one of the single best movies DC has put out. Yeah. I think of all time. I agree. And I love it's it. Such my seeing it with my dad was one of the best experiences because my dad grew up reading, you know, he was originally called Captain Marvel. My dad grew yeah. up reading Captain Marvel comics because 
you know, he was a boy and my dad was like, he saw himself in him because he was a kid who was a superhero. And getting to see my dad's favorite character come to life. And my dad loved that movie. It was such a fantastic experience. It's 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 a good movie. Um, yeah. So good. Shazam 2 is slated for next year. So let's just say for next year. Shazam 2 yeah. comes out. Aquaman 2 comes out. Blue Beetle is supposed to come out. And Flash is supposed to come out. Now, the Blue Beetle, how much has been done? Is is Blue Beetle filming? What's, yeah. What's... Oh, there's set photos. It's... There, okay. Yeah, there's set photos. It's supposed to come out next year. Yeah, I'm hoping it gets a theatrical release, but I think it's getting HBO Max release. I think it's getting a theatrical release. Is it? I'm, yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm pretty sure it is. I'm hoping. I'm hoping. I think it is. Like, for the community that it, like, that it's about, it matters. And it sucks exactly. we, don't get, we don't get Batgirl, but literally. Another reason I was mad that Batgirl was going to be on. If if Batgirl had come out, it should have not been on HBO. Yeah, that needed yeah. a theatrical release. Yeah, but but at and Blue least they're willing to experiment because they weren't. They it, it would have been t- a tough sell for them to be like, let's put it in theaters. Like I would have gone and seen it, but like Black Panther almost didn't even like like they had to push for Black Panther to get made. You know? Yeah. Um. But the the ones that are in development are Joker two, Foley Adu. Which is supposed okay, to be a musical that's... with Lady Gaga, right? Yeah, I imagine um, that's not impacted. Mixed feelings about that one. <laughs> whatever they can do, whatever. I I don't want I mean, it, but whatever. I didn't. Joker was Joker was Joker in name only, personally. Yeah, I it, never saw it actually. It, I never saw the movie. Really, I didn't want to because it, it was Joker and Joker name only or it, name only. It was um, enjoyable, but but not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, currently being developed, though, which w- sh- probably won't be released in 2023, uh, Joker 2, um, um, Fla- uh, no, that's pretty much it. What's, what's, I, I, have, I have a whole nothing, list. They have uh, nothing. Oh, Penguin, Penguin, Penguin HBO Penguin. Max show. But that's been problematic even before this. What, Penguin HBO Max? Well, because that was supposed to be like a movie, and then it became a series, and like Matt Reeves left it. Like that's oh wow, that no, hasn't. I don't that know. It, I don't think so. That's that the Penguin series hasn't been a smooth ride so far. It's supposed I to also be. Don't know why we Matt Reeves. It. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't. You know, for me, Penguin was not a standout part of that movie, so I didn't leave the theater it's thinking, stand- "Oh, I want to know about about him." I don't know. I, Penguin was standout actually, because you're like, "Oh I my disagree. god, Colin Farrell." I liked. <laughs> I liked him. He was a different type him. of Penguin. But I didn't. He, he, I liked him. I thought it was a good, interesting I don't know. take on the character. But I don't see the need for a show about him. Yeah, uh, more more so than Peacemaker. I don't know what the story is. You hang on him. Yeah. What's, uh, what's supposedly it takes place of... right after right after the Batman. So it takes uh, place okay. a month, and it has to deal with his criminal empire dealing with the flooding in Gotham and and whatnot. Some people say Black Mask will be involved. Not too sure. Okay. Matt Reeves will be co-producing. Um, I remember the the problem was that it was supposed it was originally the GCP or executive producer show, and then it became a penguin show. Uh, as far as I remember, they were just gonna do series based off of Catwoman, Penguin. Well, they were gonna do a GCPD series, but that one fell. Zoe apart. Kravitz was gone. amazing. Yeah, yeah, she was great. So, Penguin seems to be the only thing that's actively being in development right now, but obviously not for. And then the. I thought the Green Lantern. And now that one just just got announced. Well, oh, it's it just been got, announced. Well, it got it got announced for it's being 
taken back to square one. Which is yeah. John, yeah, which is gonna be John Stewart, which I agree As with. Should. It was it always yeah. I think it was always gonna be John Stewart, right? It was gonna be Alan Scott no. and Guy Gardner. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which is like, why are we tiptoeing around John Stewart and right. not using him? I think it's because Snyder wanted him. But also John Stewart of all the I mean, no, first of all, I grew up with John Stewart as Great yeah. Lantern. John Stewart um, and Kyle Rayner are my two faves. But I feel like John is just he's one of the most interesting lanterns you know maybe it's just because phil lamar just absolutely nailed yeah. the character but he was he was so cool he's you know that military stoic you know stoic guy but he also has a lot of heart yeah and but i will uh, say he's so he's such a cool character yeah <laughs> but he's i he's kind of a roadie in the sense of mm. I really like him when he is co-lead, but I don't know how he'll fare on his own. He's like one a, interpretation like, away from getting his most iconic. Yeah, mm. but like but you like John, I mean? like I'd 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 be more a little bit more interested in like a guy Gardner, John Stewart, Captain Winter Soldier or Winter Soldier Falcon mm. kind of show. Because I think the like done wrong that stoicism makes him cold and having someone around to warm him up is just the one thing i always feel because like i loved the john stewart episodes when he's with wally yeah yes i was uh, just gonna say the same or thing when, he, when he's with or when he's with hot girl when he's yeah. with yes. us, uh him um, and hot girl are i i honestly if they make this show i want them to bring her in because it worked so well in the show I think they're trying to steer away from that because they've been doing that in the com- no. like in the comics. It's no. specifically a JLU thing, and I yeah. love it there. No. But like, I it's, know it's one that has. I'm a yeah. Wonder Bat fan because of that show as well. So and that's something <laughs> like, that like the comics Wonder, don't really Wonder, like to do. But the Wonder Bat has had some flirtation in the comics. They've teased in the comics about that. Yeah. It, it, enough though. No, but like Hot Girl Green, Hot Girl John Stewart is exclusive to that yeah yeah like I, they find, I did did you guys read the um last year they came out with a mini series called justice league infinity yeah that took place right after did you guys read that yeah i just i just finished reading it a couple weeks ago it wasn't I that good that they, i liked it i i i'm also not a big fan of like i'm i'm a big fan of sparingly using the multiverse but when you hinge a whole thing on the multiverse, yeah. it was it's tough. Maybe I was just excited to see those versions of those characters yeah, again. I'm with you. But I, I, I see what you mean. I, overall, I enjoyed it. Um, I kind of love that it was like the power of love between Wonder Woman and Batman that kind of brought everything back. And uh, yeah. But like that's once again, I'm a Wonder Bat fan, so <laughs> I'm a sucker for that kind of stuff. Yeah. But you know, we got you know John finally accepting his feelings for Shaira and that. Yeah. Um, I, Green, I, uh, John Stewart and Kyle Rayner would be a really good duo. Yeah, that's what I would like love. Riggs and Murtog, kind of, yeah, in a buddy cop John sort of Stewart's way. Too old for this shit, you know. No, but not John Stewart <laughs> being too old. But I also think that it also hinges on who they cast. If they cast a charismatic actor as John Stewart, then we we will get our iconic John Stewart that we've never really had because the most iconic John Stewart we've had is in Justice League the cartoon because he is yeah. rather middle of the road when it comes to the comics. Yeah. He's like he does his thing. It's what the plot wants. 
but I can't I mean, tell you how John Stewart is in the comics. Like I can't sum him up. It's very I li- yeah. I like I, I like the gruff warmness to him that um Philomar brought to him. Yeah. But I do think the one thing I would say is that he's like he is more of a Idris Elba um David Ramsey. Like David Ramsey as John Diggle was a good casting too yeah. for him. Like he is he is more of a broad shoulder guy than like a I Daniel Kaluuya. No. Um like Lakeith like he's I don't want to see a spelt guy cast as him. I want to see a broad shoulders like a Terry Cruz almost. Like yeah. that's what uh, I want to see from John Stewart. Mike is. Coulter who played Mike Luke Coulter Cage. would be fucking he great. He would be like, fantastic. Yeah, yeah so I, I don't like, want I wanted... Idris Elba as John Stewart. Idris Elba is a different type. No, I but like, I do like... want Idris Elba, but I also just kind of want Idris Elba in everything. Yeah. That's but true. Like I, that's what I'm saying. Like a, a broad shoulder guy, like a big guy. Yeah. I don't want to see, like, I'm, I'm worried that they're going to get a little bit of a more svelte guy mm-hmm. to, to play him, especially if it's going to be by himself mm-hmm. or if they make him like younger. Like, I'm really worried that like, like he Mike, should look Mike more, Coulter, he should, he should look more. I'm going Mike Coulter. Yeah, Mike Coulter. I literally posted a video yesterday saying, if I was in charge of the DCEU, here's how I'd want to play these characters. And I said Idris Elba for him, but I'm I'm taking it all back. Mike Coulter, you're Mike right. Mike Coulter would be really <laughs> great. That would be really good casting. Mike Coulter is one of the few men that, like, you look at him and you're like, you could hug him, you could squeeze him, you can kiss him, you could, you like, he can create a family, he can, like, be a family man. He could also you know, crush your head and like, yeah. like, right. like he looks, he looks like he has diamond skin. Yeah. 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 Like that. I think that that's why also I would want to be uh, like him to be physically imposing is because I'd want that to do the legwork of implying that he is gruff. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I want him to physically imply that. And then as we get to know him, we see the heart behind him mm-hmm. we see the lack of fear we see the conviction that led to a green lantern ring choosing him mm-hmm. but when your initial impression of john stewart should be and this was kind of the point like they uh, dc i forget who the writer was that created john stewart but it was sort of like dc trying to make like a oh well you want a big angry black man like you got one like he's the fir- he's one of the first superheroes to have a public identity he yeah very early in his career was just like i'm john stewart i'm the fucking green lantern fucking what's up and yeah, I, I it, it was like, a it was a specific socio-political commentary for him not to have a mask and to be yeah. a visible black superhero yeah, yeah. And i want to i would want to see them remember that as well with the character um also uh, uh chris williams who, who played yeah, who black played, lightning yeah he, yeah like, that's that's a john stewart looking guy i loved i loved chris williams as black lightning He's, he was a uh, yeah. teacher he was a man of his community he yeah. got angry when he needed to get angry he he taught lessons black lightning was very very well done the level of nuance the in that character yeah it's un it's 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 unseen in in mm-hmm. a lot of things you know uh that's why it does hinge on by the way chris williams is an alum of my college uh oh, really college. yeah nice yeah What's i haven't called? met him i haven't met him in person but I kind of want to figure out when the next alumni hangout is and see if he shows up. Um, 
But like, okay, so we so we got. I don't have any cool alum. <laughs> oh, I'm sure you could like. I'm sure there's. We have one there. very famous alum that has been very publicly canceled. Kevin Spacey. Uh, no, no. Bill O'Reilly. <laughs> oh. Bill O'Reilly. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, he went to my my alma mater. And, oh no, uh, I'm sorry. Um, we his name was removed from everything on our website and like I think it nice. went down in 2016. I was still there. I was a, I was a senior at the time and uh yeah. yeah, they took his name off everything. Uh we have Matthew Lillard. Matthew Lillard came out of Fullerton. Oh, that's a cool one. Yeah. yeah. And um uh I forget who else. There there's one other My sister's school has Judge Judy. Oh, interesting. Yeah, um good uh, good alumni. We also uh we also know that they have, you know, just uh, uh, announced that they're going to bring Henry Cavill back for a Man of Steel sequel. Um, and shout out to Dr. Derpy. We can't get to your breakdowns. Um, but uh, they also announced that there's going to be a The Batman sequel, but it's going to be 2025 or something. Jesus. Like 2024 oh, wow. or 2025 when it finally comes out. Um, Dr. I Derpy... Like three years is that is fairly standard. But it came out in 20, oh, 2022, and then... Yeah, Batman came out this year in March. So I feel like, you know, three years from now is kind of standard for sequels. Yeah, I think two years is standard. Two years, three years. If you want three a year, crap three years is for Star Wars. <laughs> Star Wars... Three years is Star supposed Wars. to be. That's why they fucked up the sequel trilogy, because it was yeah. two years. Yeah. I like the sequels. <laughs> uh, Dr. Derpy... Good thing you brought that up at the end. Dr. Derpy <laughs> wants a... Uh, well, they weren't perfect. Dr. Derpy wants an Arkham Asylum Batman movie for his thing. Yes. Um, I agree. It's a good idea. It's a good idea. It that being said, idea. I don't know where the Batman is leading to because I, I, I feel like it's going to be Batman a little bit more in the public eye, right? Which I like. It's a very I... grounded Batman, very realistic. Um, the one thing I would like from those movies is more of the bruce wayne persona yeah um you know when we the one time we saw him as bruce wayne i'm sorry that was batman <laughs> yeah he just wasn't wearing a mask at that point but that was batman and to me well, you know that's... bruce wayne very much and that's what i think um the, the dark knight trilogy did really well is when he was out of the mask he was a totally different person i think my 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 input is that what I would like to see is that he hasn't developed the Bruce Wayne persona, and I almost mm -hmm. want to see a reversal. Normally, in a in a superhero movie, we're seeing them develop their superhero persona. Yeah, but I would love for him to spend a movie developing a Bruce Wayne persona in yeah. the way people develop a superhero persona. I'd love that. I'm calling what? it the Batman duality. We get Harvey <laughs> Dent. We we get we yes, get this we get this. This that like, would be amazing. Kind of uh, uh, mirror image of dual personas. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what I yeah. like. Like, I think what the, where the Batman succeeded for me was the fact that like it was, it showed a dark Batman and showed him evolving from that and come and realizing like how he's he's so much at the brink. And I think yeah, that would be the natural progression is because he kind of realizes that how little. Bruce Wayne has been utilized. And yeah, I think yeah. this this movie really kind of highlights for him that Bruce Wayne, even like in his most pessimistic view of the the idea of Bruce Wayne, it's like he could still be a useful tool. Like yeah. if you had been Bruce Wayne, you could have figured out a lot of this stuff a lot earlier. 
Mm-hmm. Like you could have unraveled this plot before the movie even started had you been more Bruce Wayne. That being yeah. said, I love the Batman and I love the very specific thing in it. Bruce Wayne would not be like Bruce Wayne from his point of privilege would not be able to solve the the case, the last part of the case without Officer Martinez. And the reason yeah. is, is because he does not know what that carpet uh, tool is for. Yeah. He would never have known. No. In his in his many years of training, blue collar work, not a thing. Yeah, I think that's yeah, that's another way that uh, evolving Bruce Wayne can become a like a good storyline and a good story point and sort of having that challenge of how to incorporate an active, fully fleshed out Bruce Wayne into this persona of the Batman that he's finally calibrated properly. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I just he like becomes like the symbol he's wanted to be, but didn't realize that he wanted to be he achieves at the end of the first movie right like, leaving yeah. those people out like i think my favorite scene from that movie is when he uh loads that person into the airlift and they're like pulled away from the helicopter and they yeah. hold his hand yeah and then he it looks just, up it shows the humanity of this character that yeah it, you know usually the, you know batman is portrayed as like we know he's a man he doesn't actually have superpowers but he's this scary monster almost to to Gotham while also being its protector. And I loved that scene because it really just showed what a human he is. And I think it, again, it's shown the lack of understanding of the source material of only taking that idea halfway of like, yes, Mm -hmm. Batman is a monster to Gotham. He is this terrifying thing to the people uh, who do wrong in Gotham. Mm -hmm. Um, But But everybody's scared of him. But at the heart of him, he's a scared little boy. Yeah. He's a boy yeah. crying in the alley. And he he needs to re- remember that. And the people, like, when Batman's done right is the people who remember that. And again, DC they, Animated Universe. The Harley Quinn. Episode, yeah, just everything. That, Har- that, that episode of Harley Quinn where Harley went into Bruce's psyche was one of, I think, the best batman stories i've seen yeah it, it delved into at the core of it he's a scared boy yeah i think i think uh what it what it harley quinn is an amazing example of like they didn't have to do all that they don't no but like it's a great example of like any genre any tone of movie is not hurt by being smarter yeah and harley quinn's great because it's this very like goofy adult humor but also, it has so much heart, so much commentary. Yeah. The characters aren't surface level in any way. Yeah. They're yeah. so complex. Yeah. Um, I just want to point out that under the Gun Saffron contract, they're a contractor for four years. Uh, four years, mm-hmm. five, four. Um, and Gun will be directing a movie, at least one. Um, okay. And Joker 2 will not be, run, uh, not be produced by Gun and Saffron. Yeah, I read that somewhere. Um, and also, we are unsure on whether the Reeves projects will be run by Gunn and Saffron. So other than that, so DC Studios, because it w- existed before the contracts yeah. are as the contracts are. So, so they're basically entering into a Marvel-type deal where the A-list characters are off limits. It's just Batman. 
Well, Batman, but then who knows if the Henry Cavill stuff is no, going to be looped I believe in. that's under them. No, I think that's part going to continue to be like DCEU. It's not going to be Snyder. Well, I mean, it can continue with that, but it's not. It's still Gunn and Saffron overseeing yeah. those projects. Yeah. Well, then you, al- you also have the comment of Kevin Feige saying ha- he's supportive of uh, of James Gunn. But yeah. Also, he's he better like maintain his Marvel stuff till May. Well, yeah, but if, well, you know, yeah, well, he's got at least guard- one more move. You know, he's, he's, he's got to release Guardian Three next summer. Yeah, he will. That's not yeah. A, yeah. They're all they're contractually no, I know, obligated. But it is, but it is also like the fact of like he's really we're not going to really he's not going to really be able to put his full focus on everything until this upcoming summer. But he starts right, November first. November first. But he's gonna he, he's he's gonna split time nice. until June first. Yeah. Yeah. And then probably. But that's uh, why Peter Safran is doing a lot of the executive, like the executive yeah. producing stuff. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, yeah. and honestly, honestly, yeah. Safran being like the fact that it's a package deal makes me feel a lot better because they can cover each other's asses. Well, just yeah. having been involved in a lot of theaters, creatives very rarely make good executives. It's true. They rarely make good producers. So yeah. having someone with that mind is just like, okay, you have someone who has a good idea and, and knows how to honor these characters properly while making entertaining content. But you also have mm-hmm. a producer who can handle the day-to-day and be in meetings and be in boardrooms. Yeah. Yeah. It's also James Gunn doesn't live in LA either. He'll move. No. <laughs> he's not going to. He has a house in uh Where is he? Colorado, I think. Oh. Yeah, he does not I mean, live. I don't yeah, he's, Colorado's beautiful. He's, he's settled outside of LA. Mm. I just I look forward to a more cohesive nature of the DC universe. Uh something yeah. that, you know, he'll make things make sense and I think he'll understand what the heart of these characters are. Even if he's yeah. not directing it themsel- himself, like he'll understand the heart of the character and then make sure that it kind of follows that kind of that vision. Well, you and need maybe, an overlying vision. Maybe we'll also see a building up of second tier characters, which has yeah, been Marvel's yeah. real good. Marvel's real strength throughout has been making you give a shit about their B squad. That's why like Marvel yeah. isn't running to produce x-men content yet because they're like yeah. we're good yeah because the they're, x-men they can run itself like, yeah, they, yeah they literally can survive three more phases without the x-men touching really a thing right I mean, mm-hmm. we got professor x and we got the wolverine deadpool yeah stuff but yeah but no like honestly yeah it feels like x-men are being primed for phase seven which i'm cool with yeah, As yeah an I'm, X-Men totally fan, that. I'm a huge x-men fan I'm cool with them waiting on it. Because also, not a big fan of the multiverse saga. But that's just me. I'm starting but, to become an X-Men fan, finally watching all the movies. <laughs> I will I will, I will, will set you up with some key comics, I think. Okay, cool. I think X-Men I just is... Watched, I just watched um, Apocalypse the other day. I haven't posted okay. my video on it yet, but I just watched Apocalypse. And I, I enjoy it. I'm okay. starting to really enjoy the X-Men movies. All right. All right. All right. If you like Apocalypse, then... You... <laughs> I like first you'll, class. You'll, you'll best. be you'll be wow. satisfied by X Men content. <laughs> Good. Uh, yeah. yeah, I know. It'll, I heard it'll that blow your mind. Apocalypse wasn't popular, but I I, I enjoyed it. Dark Phoenix is worse. New Mutants is worse. I Days hear of that. Future Past is my favorite. 
Days of Future Past was fantastic. Logan's I liked, the best. I didn't love, oh, I've seen Logan. Um, that's one of the few, Deadpool, uh, the two Deadpools and Logan were the only ones I had seen before I started doing my full, like, okay, I'm going to sit down and watch all the X-Men movies. Yeah. Um, I didn't love the original trilogy, but that's because yeah. I kinda, it kind of harkened back to what we were talking about earlier, how it, I felt like I was thrown into this movie having not seen the origins for the characters. Yeah. But with First Class, they took that time to introduce the characters, and I I loved that movie. Sorry, keep going. Give me a sec. You're fine. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, so I've been working, I've been making a little series on my TikTok page of me going through all the X-Men and watching them, and um, enjoying it. Have you gone through any of the cartoons series yet? No, I've just been watching the movies. Okay. So, um, I and I'm watching in release order. So I've seen all the the original trilogy. Um, I've watched the first two Wolverines, and then I've watched First Class, Days of Future Past, and Apocalypse. I think the next one. I have to look up what the next movie is. I think the next one is Logan, which I've seen, but I'm going to watch again. Yeah, yeah, it would be. It's Logan, the Dark Phoenix, then uh, New Mutants. Then New Mutants. Okay, and I'm going to watch the Deadpool's again because those are fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Deadpool's amazing. I just had I don't to, need um, a reason to watch Deadpool. <laughs> my nephew, he's uh gonna be nine. He mm-hmm. was Deadpool for Halloween. He's gonna be Deadpool for Halloween tomorrow. My sister Aww. like called. I was like, "Is Deadpool okay for like this this young?" I was like, "Like, well, the Ryan Reynolds movies, you shouldn't show him, but no. like he like he's also in an episode of Ultimate Spider Man." Like he he and like when I started reading him was like the Joe Kelly, uh, '90s stuff, and he wasn't nearly as like upfront and kind of psycho and like, uh, it was more like Looney Tunesy, like breaking oh, the fourth okay. wall, a lot more silly than like um crude. Okay. And so, so yeah, like stuff for for him to be able to read. <laughs> yeah, there's 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 content for him to like, and not be weird for him to be dressed up as this character. Yeah, there's these there's these girls that, um, you know, growing up, I used to babysit and um, they're now teenagers, which of course just like <laughs> terrifies me. Um, but the, the younger one's like 12 or 13 and, you know, they love the Marvel movies and we were talking about it. And uh, the younger one was like, yeah, but my dad won't watch me watch Deadpool. I'm like, your dad's right. <laughs> <laughs> you should not be watching Deadpool yet. Yeah. Um, but, um, welcome back. Sorry. Yeah, thanks. Uh, what were we talking about? We were talking about Deadpool and uh, the appropriateness of those for children. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, bringing up interpretation is that, like, Deadpool can exist in a PG cartoon. That he can yeah. Exist yeah, I was, saying, yeah. I was yeah. saying, like, he's he's in Ultimate uh, Spider-Man. Yeah, an episode and he works just as well. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, It's just kind of what you want out of it. Um, yeah. I want to thank you both so much for, for coming on this episode and talking uh about everything dc studios i feel like anyone listening to this is like caught up which is kind of good because yeah. there's a lot going on right now and i'm yeah, sure after we lot. finish this episode they're gonna announce they're gonna be like uh yeah you know because we haven't heard anything from about wonder woman 3 i want wonder more wonder woman i i was I so much i did woman want 3. more one wonder woman before 1984 captain 1984 <laughs> i had such high hopes for it I'll be honest, I enjoyed 1984. There's a lot of criticism. There's a lot of things I didn't like about it, but I'm also a very easy person to please. <laughs> so 
while there's a lot of things <clears throat> I would have done differently with that movie, at the end of the movie, I had enjoyed myself. Same thing with the first Suicide Squad. Was by far <laughs> not a great movie. But I still walked out of the theater having enjoyed myself. Yeah. While I didn't do that with Batman versus Superman or Man of Steel. Man of Steel, I've actually never seen the whole movie out because I couldn't finish it. Oh, good. It's like... I it was I didn't like it at all. <laughs> it, it lost a lot of what makes Superman Superman. So that yeah. was tough. That was a little tough, you know. I um, did see a quote from Henry though saying that with his return, he's looking to bring that more hopeful, joyous aspect into Superman, yeah. which makes me cautiously optimistic for his return. Well, and and to be fair to Snyder, the le- like the action we had never seen true Superman action or what he was yeah. capable of. This was the first movie to finally deliver on that. Yeah, it mm-hmm. just was so excited to deliver on that that it completely botched the character. Yeah, so Somebody... just sorry. Oh no, like it's just like Superman would be saving people, and like that was one of my favorite things about. The Brandon Routh one is in the creation of his arch nemesis, the Kryptonite Island. Like Metropolis is like suffers an earthquake and all this stuff is happening. And Superman is just literally one of the action set pieces is him flying around, just saving people all the mm-hmm. various ways he's saving people, like using his heat vision on falling glass. So it turns to sand outrunning a fireball so he can blow it back with his super breath. Like in, in the robbery scene where he gets shot in the eye and it just bounces off. Like there's such cool stuff of like this is what superman's capable of but snyder just was like completely lost the heart of it yeah in yeah. trying to achieve that scope but it was the first time we'd actually seen like okay it's not superman it's not chris reeves fighting himself in a uh garbage uh dump yeah um somebody brought up that superman never punches first he always asks questions first like yes. he won't blitz somebody unless he knows who that somebody is. So he'll blitz Doomsday after knowing Doomsday. But if a random like does he do that in Snyder? Is that maintained in Snyder? I don't know. I'm curious I, about that. I, I have to rewatch again. But um, we don't have much time to talk about yeah. anything. Yeah, more yeah. no, that's but no, again, we're kind of gonna, anyway. something's after get, show homework. <laughs> yeah, something's gonna get released tonight, and I'm gonna be like, oh my god. Yeah, talk more about it. We'll have to dedicate a whole episode just Mm. to Superman. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, uh, I want to thank both of you so much for coming on the show and taking time out of your day, especially a day that may or may not have Halloween stuff later tonight. So, you know, thank you so much um, for for coming on this. Trevor, where can we find you online for the people out there? Uh, You can find Uh, me on social media at Trevor Copter. Uh, Currently debating whether or not I'm going to keep my Twitter account uh, for obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, yeah. but uh, all the other good social media, you can find me at Trevor Copter. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Um, uh, yeah. Anyone out there listening to the podcast, they obviously can't see our display. But if you're watching us live, you're watching us on uh, Twitch.tv/slash The Keeg Show or YouTube.com/slash The Keeg Show. Obviously, you can see all of us our stuff. Um, but you know, if you're listening to us, you're listening to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, Spotify and iHeartRadio. However you digest us, thank you so much for digesting us. Uh, Kaylin, where can we find you on social media? Um, So I've got two different Instagram accounts. My my main account, which is also where I post my cosplay content, is Comics by Kaylin. Kaylin is C-A-I-L-I-N. 
Um, and then I also have an art account. Um, I draw, I mean, I'm, I've kind of worked in all sorts of different mediums, um, but recently I've been doing um, digital illustrations that are very much in the style of traditional ink and watercolor of primarily superheroes. And that account is art by Kaylin D. Um, and then you can also find me on TikTok at uh, comics by Kaylin, awesome. where I do a lot of talking about the characters and movies and whatnot and fun cosplay stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I like your cosplay. Thank you. I like your... I'm very new to it. And yeah. I feel like I've just been welcomed so quickly in by the community. And I wish I had gotten into it sooner, but um, I'm enjoying it. It's such a neat creative outlook uh, or um, it, it's such outlet? a new way from outlet. Yeah. yeah. Such a cool, unique creative outlet now for me you know I'm learning all sorts of new skills with you know some of my costumes I buy but you know learning how to work with craft foam to create my bat cowl was one of the my favorite things I did this summer yeah yeah uh I love your bat girl cosplay so keep up the good work thank you and I I'll just uh out. just made my wonder woman for Halloween and so I've been posting some wonder woman content I don't think I, I saw have I have, did you post your wonder woman costume I have a couple of videos up of Wonder Woman. Okay. I filmed a ton today, um, which the lipstick is left over from that. <laughs> um, but I specific, my Wonder Woman is very specifically the DCAU Wonder Woman. Because, um, yeah. you know, that's where I fell in love with these characters. And I, I see so many different Wonder Woman cosplays, but they're usually Linda Carter or the Gal Gadot one. And um, I wanted to see the the animated DCAU take on her. So, yeah, um, so yeah I've, I've filmed a bunch of stuff today, but I have a couple posted already. In that. Right. I'll check it out. Yeah. Uh, thank you both of you so much for coming on the show. Uh, for anyone out there who wants to follow the Keeg, you can find us on social media at the Keeg Show. TikTok and Instagram are our two biggest ones, especially if you want to keep updated with what our schedule is like and what we have. Now, the Keeg talks today was about DC Studios, but uh, normally it is every other week, and we talk about a different topic. That being said, uh, we. I think we might be on a weekly schedule because so much is coming out. So I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to give you a, a hint at what's to come uh, next weekend. We're going to talk about rings of power. Uh, the weekend after that is Wakanda forever black Panther movie coming out. After that, we're going to be talking about star Trek after that guards of the galaxy holiday special. After that star girl season three, after that Pokemon uh, after that avatar way of water. Then we have a breather for the weekend of, of Christmas. And then we end the year uh with the best of 2022 we're going to just do kind of a get a couple of people on here and, and talk about everything that happened in 2022 we're gonna talk about it all um uh so we got a lot we got a lot and the key talks might be a weekly show starting from next week or not next week it's definitely a weekly show from next week but from next year onwards we might we might do a weekly show with this so expect more content we also have our after shows that we do we just finished up the she hulk after show uh we have the Andor after show that has a couple episodes left and then every thursday we have comic talk where we talk about that week's releases of comics so we do a lot um but definitely anyone out there stay tuned uh we we're gonna have more geek content uh on the keeg so uh yeah instagram and tiktok uh we're also on facebook and twitter but right now we'll see we'll see how it goes um you can find us on twitch and youtube at slash the keeg show twitch.tv slash the keeg show youtube.com slash the keeg show so we're all over the place but trying to do uh, as much content as we can but thank you trevor and thank you caitlin so much for coming on here and uh uh given given your commentary 
Thank you to that one wizard kid out there. Thank you to Dr. Derpy out there. Thank you to Manny Reads Comics out there uh, for for uh, being here. Uh, yeah, once again, I'm your host, Dimitri Pereira, and this has been the Key Talks uh, DC Studios because the DC hierarchy of power has changed. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.